Johnny should the queen have died on 9-11 two days after she died on the 9th of September and then two days later would have been 9-11 would you do you think that would have been more fitting do you think that would have been like good for headlines for tabloids I don't know this that's just a weird question like hey what day, what day should she die on would that I would I think that would kind of like muddy up September 11th for us Americans you know because it's like actually yeah because if she dies and then they would like have their yearly thing of the day that she died a remembrance right? would be this it would mean september 11th would mean something new for americans she died on what day on the ninth the ninth i believe nine nine no nine, nine. that works for her that's nine nine it would just be interesting because it would have been a day that means something for the british and a day that means something for americans for different reasons one more tragic than the other i don't have to tell you which one is which I mean, if anything, she could have passed on New Year's, right? What day would you want to pass on? Oh, what day would I want to die on? Uh, Actually, maybe not answer that because it's kind of jinxing yourself. Are you superstitious? Are you superstitious, Johnny? Not really, but I still don't. Are you a little stitious? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Like, I'm not religious or anything or spiritual in that way, but I don't test that shit. I don't fuck with it. You don't go messing with Ouija boards? Yes, or... I don't fuck with that. Good, good, good. That's good advice for life. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I would want it to be my birth month just so, like, when people try to do the math, like, when they look at my tombstone, mm-hmm. and, like, they see, like, you know, because I do that when I go, when I used to go to the graveyards to, like, visit, like, other, like, you know, people, like, who I used to know, right? Obviously not anymore. I would see gravestones, and in my head, I would always try to do the math, like, how many, I know the years, but how many days to the, I'll do the math in my head, so, like, someone died so June 9th. And then they were born like April something. So in my head, I'm like, oh, wait, did they make it the full like 80 years or is it 79 years and some change, you know? Is there a day you wouldn't want to go on? A major holiday. A major holiday. I was thinking that. So are you okay with like 666? No. God, no. No. <laughs> That's not a holiday. Well, okay. Holidays. 666. 2066. Does it make a difference if there's more sixes to it? Like, does it not count? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think that really matters. It's not like it's like more evil. Like, oh, there's four sixes now. Like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Do you know where that comes from or no? Why it's that number or no? No, I hear like, I also hear that that matter is that number isn't really the number anyways. It's just a little bit arbitrary. Well, that number is mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's a silly thing, but really what it is is that seven is considered a holy number. Yeah. And so six it just falls short of seven, mm-hmm. and therefore that's why it's like, like you try, like you're imperfect or like you're like not fully good or something like that. It's weird, but that's how because in the Bible seven is like the holy numbers. Like God created the world in seven days, and like there's seven angels that opened the great seals in Revelations. Like seven is considered the perfect number, and because six is not, it's like short. Like why isn't it five five five? Like isn't that lower? Like yeah. But it being just short is like the is the significance of it. Yeah, but it's still sort of arbitrary. It's not it like is. it is. It's it not is. like oh, it's when this planet aligns with this planet, exactly. And then you see six six something like exactly. As do you remember where? You, okay, because we were about we were talking about like do you remember where you were during nine eleven? Do you remember where you were on the sixth of June two thousand and six? Sixth of June two thousand and six. Yeah, when it was the when the date was six six six. No, no, I was in high school. I was in I think I was like in eleventh, tenth or eleventh grade. Okay, and I just remember like 
all day all the kids were like it, they treated it like if it was like friday the 13th where like that was your y2k <laughs> no because i lived during the y2k thing i remember that too no but it was like that six the sixth of june we were it was the last month of school right because we were still in school at that time and i just remember kids treating it like black like not black friday i'm sorry like friday the 13th were like they would like avoid doing unlucky things like don't walk under ladders or like don't spill salt or don't step on a crack like it was like dumb because it was like super st- like that wasn't a thing right but they made it a thing like if, as if it was like friday the 13th or something or like a bad luck day so you know? yeah no no i don't remember that but yeah i'm not very superstitious like that but like again i still like i'm not gonna play luigi right, right you don't want to tempt you know, like, fate like karma the karma do you believe in karma not in that name exactly no what name do you have? Well, because I don't, I don't think people necessarily give and get the same thing. I don't think that. I don't think the world is like that perfectly structured. To for tat, you don't yeah, think I don't think that's usually how it works. I think karma is just because there's people who are evil who get away with evil and they never live to see the repercussions. Yeah, and like little kids that die and all that. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think of it that way. Yeah, like karma. I think it's just. It's just. It's like a coping a mechanism. A different term for saying someone is fucking stupid. I, like okay. I think I think karma is like you made a bad fucking decision you're gonna pay for it I think it's just being yes being okay. stupid and karma is kind of like saying I don't know what to do with it I don't know what the fuck exactly it was that I did why I'm getting this stupid karma I think it's just being stupid yes and it's just you have to self-correct or that karma which is being stupid is just gonna follow you for the rest of your life does that make sense? Yeah, it's I, you're thinking of like it reminds me of one of my friends who believes in uh, what do you call it? He calls it um, like a project, like not projecting, but it's like when you put something out into the universe if you want something, mm-hmm. like affir- like affirmate affirmations. There you go, and it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, affirmations are just making the right decisions. Yeah, but uh, Johnny, just real quick before we move on to the actual meat of the show, where were you September 9th, September eleventh, two thousand and one? Because um, you would have still been in school at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was still in high school. I was just getting ready, right? Mm-hmm. And my mother told me like, "Hey, come to the come to the living room." And she told me to look at the TV, and then I see the first plane has already hit the tower and it's just on fire. And I I don't know exactly what that meant because it's just like one fucking plane, right? Yeah. And then so whatever we got ready and then we left and then I got to school and by the time I got to school the second plane had already hit. Mm. But at that point, it's not. It wasn't like what is whatever tragic accident. It was just like oh fuck, like our future has like really changed. There's gonna be like some massive repercussions for this. Never be able to board a plane on time again. Yeah, and as as a little kid, like you still get that sense of like uh, shit's gonna get wild in the future. Right. Yeah. I don't know if this is gonna keep happening or like all that paranoia shit sets in. Yeah. Did you watch it? Did you guys watch it in class, the TV, or no? Or did your teacher? Nah, they probably thought it was too sensitive for that. Really? Okay. I was in middle school. I I had this was my first year at middle school. I was in sixth grade, and I remember watching the new. I remember watching. I I think my dad got a call from our uncle, from my uncle Giovanni, and my mom. My dad turned on the TV in the living room. This was when we lived in the. I don't know if you remember. This was when we lived in the apartments in Bellflower down the hill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that or not. But uh, and my dad turned on the TV, and we had. I think because our school was later, late start. 
or I think we, yeah we went in a little later. So I saw the fir- I saw the first plane already had crashed, and I think as we were leaving the house, the second one had crashed. So when I got to school, like I got like kid, I remember like in the quad area, the kids were all talking about like, oh my god, like what's going on? Yeah. Like, and then like it was time to go to class, and our teacher like the first thing she did, she's like she turned on the TV. And she's like, she said, I remember she said some, I'm going to paraphrase here, but something about like how like it's important that you watch this or something like that. And so they had us watch it. Um, I think they even ended school earlier that day too, I think. I might have had the same talk with the teacher. I just don't remember that process. Okay. But I remember, yeah, I think we watched, um, we we were trying to understand what was going on. And I remember, so I was what in class was it? This is homeroom. Okay. But she was also our literature and history teacher because mm, right. we would go back and forth between the next classroom next door, mm-hmm. and we, throughout the day we would transition back and forth, back and forth. And so she was the uh, our main homeroom teacher, and she was telling like, how, like, hey, like we're gonna do things a little bit different. Like I think we stayed with her for the majority of the day. Like we didn't do the transitions, and she was just like trying to as best as you can explain to eleven year old geo world politics, kind of like there's these bad people. Who the U.S. has wronged in the past, something like that. Oh, she said all that. Yeah, that's interesting. And that now, because of like certain things that have happened in the country's past, like they like re- like they've done this kind of thing. Yeah, but it's, it's I'm paraphrasing it's, a lot of it. It's interesting that she said that though, but that's like on the very first day, and it's like we kind of didn't know exactly who it was. It was something I, I think but because for her we, to like get it on point like that is interesting i think at that point they already knew like it was like like saudi or like to, they didn't or, say saudi was it, okay, oh no right they didn't find out that's like a week later right or something like once they identified who all the people were involved right the majority were saudi i, I remember correctly. i don't know how long after it took for them to say but yeah the majority of them I, we just, I just remember hearing bin laden a lot we heard a lot about bin laden that day and i remember like thinking like, like what's gonna happen and our friends were like oh don't worry like we're gonna go get them we're gonna go get them like like, the U.S. is going to go get them. Like, as if they were going to solve, like, the whole crisis, like, in that week or something. And then that week turned into <laughs> several years. 20 years. Up until, like, my high school graduation and a little bit beyond that, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a scary day because it made it seem like if they can just hit towers, like, what else can they hit? I remember, like, wasn't, like, a lot of things that were, like, on alert, like, throughout the country. I think, like, events were canceled, like, even stadiums and stuff like that. And then, like, a year after that, we started getting, like, the anthrax, like, mailing. Yeah, I do recall that stuff. And anyways, so, yeah, that was a, that was a scary time. But, um, well, anyways, Johnny, we're, we're, not, we're not here for history or to bring the mood down. There's plenty of people who do that on the news every day. <laughs> Turn on your TV, you can get that. Johnny, this is the DuoSense podcast, a... Semi-weekly at this point, video game podcast where we discuss video games, what we've been playing, and video game news. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Rusko, joined by the Badger of the High Desert, the self-proclaimed Lost Cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one, Johnny. Yo, so I realized I said your name before I even introduced you, so that kind of kind of made it pointless. But anyways, I'm I'm a creature of habit. And we're going to get started, Johnny. So, yeah, uh, for people who are uh, probably been like, where have you guys been for a couple of weeks? Well, we've had difficulty getting together. I went, I started work again. Um, I don't have much time after work to do anything. I come straight to take care of my grandpa. Spend all that time on uh, Farmers Only. Farmers Only. <laughs> oh, because I, I am growing plants. That's right. I am kind of growing my little uh, garden in the back, yeah. 
Which reminds me, John, I need to show you the corn I'm growing when we're done after this. It's still growing after all these months? No, I just planted a whole new section. I have like 24 corns together. I plant a new section. Okay. They're like... About and now you know how to pollinate. Yeah. Now I know how to hand pollinate. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to get a nice, good uh, harvest, as they say, in the November, hopefully. We'll see. Johnny, we have a couple of things. Oh, that's right. I forgot what I was saying now. We haven't been able to get together. Life has been busy. Uh, Johnny's going through some stuff, too. Uh, I'm going through some stuff with family and work and... It's just been really, really difficult to get together. Uh, but here we are. I told Johnny, like, okay, somehow, someway, we need to make this week happen because so much stuff happened this week. Like, we cannot let it slip through our grasp. So, Johnny, are you excited? We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight news items. Yeah. Before we get too in- into it too deeply, uh, Gamescom did happen after our last episode, so we haven't talked about that, but because it's so old... I don't want to spend too much time on it, so I'm going to just talk about the five things that I'm excited for, Johnny. Five things. First, Lies of P. That game looks super fun. It's the very Bloodborne Pinocchio-looking game. What do you think about that one, Johnny? Better than uh, Elden Ring. How dare you? How dare you talk about... Come on, it looks great. How dare you talk that way about this year's Game of the Year? Bullshit. Then we saw... uh, Something I'm more excited about, the DualSense Edge controller, Johnny. Dual sense controller with the extra that doesn't look awesome with extra paddles on the back. Yeah, it's like a slider on the back. I think for it, the slider thing is for like contr- for a rumble sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the extra triggers on the bottom front. It's like it's like the the new Honda's Accord look great, but this is making it like JDM, right? Uh, yes, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna go with yes. I don't know what any of that means. What do you mean JDM? <laughs> Japanese domestic market. Oh, J- okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. The tuners, basically. Yeah. Okay, just say that, Johnny. Just say that. We said the Honda Accord. I'm thinking, like, what's the Honda Accord for this year? Like, I don't know what it looks like. Andrew's not a car guy. Not really. I know of them, but I don't, like, know them. Like, a capital K. I don't know them. So what do you think about the controller, Johnny? It's probably going to be be very expensive. It's probably going to be very expensive. What are you thinking? 200? That high? God, I hope not. I'm thinking more like 140, maybe. So you get paddles, and then what else? You have extra paddles on the back. You have two swappable trigger on the bottom, like underneath that. The analog sticks are swappable. So like, cause like my PS5 controller is fine, but my PS4 controller has like a dead zone on the sticks. So if you can just replace those instead of replacing the entire controller, that's much cheaper. Much cheaper. so that improves the dead zone, is what you're saying? Just oh, that's out the right. Sticks. I forgot. Yes, there is calibrate. Op- you can calibrate those dead zones. That's what the one of the sliders is for. Is for calibrating it. What else? Like, sell me on the control. Because right now, it looks dope. But is it worth buying? I don't know. I don't well, Like, it, as far as the joysticks uh, being inter- inter- exchangeable. Inter- yes. How do you say that? Interchangeable? Yeah. Whatever. Interchangeable, yeah. I Like, you have the little jellies that you could just attach, right? True, yes. So, as far as, like, the size of them, it's, it's a, like, a $5 upgrade, if that. And then the paddles are dope. But why do you need paddles? The back paddles? Yeah. So you can, uh, some games work better when you just, not work better, but they're, I mean, more accommodating. You can, like, you can hot zone, like, one, or, like, uh, we call it, it's like with PC, I have, like, those macros, right? When you assign buttons to, like, the top, like, F5, mm-hmm. F4, or that. You can just put it, maybe you want the triangle button to work on the back instead for certain games. Uh, I know, especially now that we're getting to the point where a lot of games are coming out on PC and then getting, like, ported to console or vice versa. Like, it helps to have that extra, just an extra trigger for you to kind of just assign whatever you want. Just, it cuts down sometimes on the, 
like for fighting games, like those back paddles are very popular because it in a game where it literally like nanoseconds matters, like you can just assign a certain like if there's a button that's normally out of way, you can just tap it on the back real quick, like that will improve your your performance. Mm-hmm. For shooters, I know some people don't like when the uh, the reload button is in, like is not the one they're used to because if you go from game shooter to shooter. If you could just assign it to the back pedal, which is kind of like, it kind of also makes you feel kind of like the like the trigger on a gun, sort of in a way, like you just kind of like pull it a little bit, mm-hmm. rather than pushing down on it, you just kind of pull it. So I know some people do like those like that trigger, that extra like sensitivity on the back. All right, because I'm thinking like I might I might use them like uh, racing games, but mm-hmm. the triggers are just fine for me. No, I mean yeah, the triggers are fine, but some people do like that extra like extra point of contact the extra like you know somewhere else you can like if you don't want to think too bad like too hard of it like there's times where like i'll play uh what was it uh sometimes like when i would play elden ring like after a week of not playing i jump in i'm like like which button do i roll again with like you know what i mean like it's easier we can just the button you use the most is also like hockey to the back so you can like just offset it you know yeah so there's there, i mean maybe for you and i it's not that useful for people who are in like a fighting game community or racing games or like Anything that requires like immediate precision, that would be a better alternative. Yeah, because I feel like the controls of today are just pretty great, you know. I think so. So too. this upgrade, if it's something like two hundred bucks, it's, it's like peak. A ridiculous. Well, I hope it's not two hundred dollars. If it costs a hundred bucks, that'd be great. Because the current controls like seven. I think like the Xbox ones, like the cut, the whatever I forget what they're called now, the Elite or whatever, they're like one fifty, aren't they? Or maybe more. I think the selling point would be is. Is if PlayStation had a the cut what is it called the the customization lab? Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's something lab. I don't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. Where like you can like put the color yeah, and yeah. like you can choose exactly where the buttons go and. Yeah, if I could customize control, you could attach like easy another fifty bucks. A lot of people wanted to have the offset analog stick where you swap the D pad like on the on the Xbox controller. I don't like that. I hate that. I don't like that. But I know there is some people who just. You want the analog stick closer to the edge mm-hmm. on the left, and then on the bottom right is where you have like this, the you know, the secondary, the R three. Yeah, I'm not saying it's functional or, or I prefer it one way or another. I just like the symmetry of the yes, control. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. how I am too. I'm like, it, it always bothers me that they're not lined up ex- like you can't cut it in half into equal parts. You know what uh-huh. I mean? That's always bothered me too. So I agree with you on that. Uh, I said I wasn't gonna spend that much time on it. Sorry. So. Callisto Protocol looks oh, she looks great. phenomenal. Yeah, and I'm not really Glory a horror. I'm not a horror guy at all by any means, but like this just looks so like this looked like super super like next gen. What's the creator of Dead Space? Right, right. So it's but like even the way they they showcase like because most most demos and stuff they don't show you dying because because uh-huh. they don't want you know it really it's well it doesn't ruin it but they have the impression that like oh you don't want to show the player like dying because it makes it seem like it's hard or like not enjoyable but in this case like fuck around people but here in this case like showing like the character the multiple ways you can die is kind of just like extra like eye candy like oh like oh that can happen like you know what i mean like they want to show you like the physics and everything that's in play and it's like ooh, like it looks really beautiful it looks really, it looks disturbingly beautiful i guess you could say high fidelity very gross have you seen the uh, new enemies where if you don't kill them on time they start like evolving yeah, 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 yeah. Like tentacles come out of their head, and then you gotta kill those. It's like, that section of it. Yeah, it reminds me of like in the Resident Evil, where like stronger enemies are basically just enemies that you damaged before, but they've had like they've regenerated, and the regeneration just went 
crazy. It doubled up. Yeah, yeah it doubled yeah. up. Like the crimson heads with like the zombies yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. But also, I, I like. Uh, did you see the? Did you read or hear about how like they they examined, um, multiple like corpses, like human corpses, mm-hmm. or in the creation of the game to figure out like what what does it look like to be like disemboweled? What does it look like for guts and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like they did like their like really really gross research to get all the gory stuff like just right, and it's like. It's funny because it's a con- it's a contrast to me when I think of like for example for Call of Duty like they go fire the guns they go listen they record all the firing sounds and it's, it's just funny to me to think how like there's for different games people go to different lengths to get authenticity down mm-hmm. and like I don't know if I would ever want to do like oh yeah let's go look at dead bodies to make sure we get the blood right like oh like but, I do it but it's just I just find it amusing that they would do that would um, you go to a place and look at corpses. No. Just randomly, no? No. I, you know what? There was a brief time when I was like 24, 23, when I thought about maybe going into like mortuary like line of work. Uh-huh. Because it's kind of like pays well. You wanted to be a cop at one point, right? I did want to be a cop. That was before. That, the cop thing was about two years before that. But there was a time when I was doing the history thing and I was like, maybe I should like, you know, people are always going to die. Like there's always going to be a lot of, you know, work for that. And then I realized that like, oh, I can't stand being around dead bodies. Like that, it, 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 gives, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, and not I, the good kind of goosebumps. I think I'm okay with blood. Just every other bodily fluid, I can't take it. Exactly, and there's other yeah, there's other fluids out there. Johnny, next one that I saw that I really enjoyed, or I, I'm assuming I'm gonna enjoy, is the new Tales from the Borderlands. Did you ever play the first Tales from the Borderlands? Did we? Play? Oh, Tales from Borderlands. Uh, I think I did. Yes. This was like the Telltale game that was like in the Borderlands. Was, was that the only one they made? That's they only made one before. Yeah. That one was done... They go to space and all that? Yes. That was the one done by Telltale. This one, this new one is being done by border by 2K proper. Like the actual... Oh, um, Gearbox. I'm sorry. Gearbox. Because the last one, they like kind of like... Uh, we call it... Not leased it. Licensed it out, I guess. What do you call it when you... Like, yeah, you license it. They, uh, yeah, they had, they had Telltale work on it. This time, like they're doing it in-house, basically. I thought Telltale was... They were the only ones doing that. Well, this, well, this time, I guess... Gearbox is doing it in house. Like, you know what? We'll just do it ourselves. Because Telltale's busy with like others. They're doing that uh, the Expanse game, that space one. Remember right. we saw that? Yeah, from Amazon. Yeah, they're doing the a Telltale game. Telltale is doing a Telltale game of that right now. All right. So it makes sense that if Gearbox maybe wanted another one, like, okay, oh no, we're busy. Sorry, you guys, we can't. We're busy. Like, okay, we'll just do it. They pull a Thanos and like, we'll do it ourselves. They fucked up, huh? Telltale fucked up. Maybe I don't know. This looks interesting. Did you see the trailer for this? With like the really, there's like a large like diner lady. And then there's like these two skinnier like protagonists. Is it the same art style? Yes, of course it has to be. I probably saw it because um, it's not my type of game, right? I did like the first Telltale game that I played with Borderlands. That was great. Story was great. It's just the art style that throws me off. But that's the, every, every Borderlands game. They all have that cell shading. Oh, uh, you don't? Okay. But Telltale tends to make those games, the cell shaded games. True, with The Walking Dead and Death. The Wolf Among Us, and yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I I love I, I love anything Borderlands related. I still haven't played Tiny Tina's uh, Wonderlands that came out earlier this year. I'm waiting for that to drop in price. I think it's on sale for forty bucks right now. I'm waiting for it to hit the thirty dollar mark. I think I'd play another Telltale game if they made one for Mass Effect. I mean, Mass Effect is kind of a giant. You're making you're making dialogue choices and stuff like. Uh-huh. So you just want to play Mass Effect without the combat, basically? No, I want to know the Mass Effect, but if I wanted to go into a Telltale game, that'd be it. 
Okay, like the Telltale's Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. We'll have to talk about that later because I wonder what that would look like. Paragon, obviously, Renegade, that would be a huge part of it, obviously. Different endings and stuff. I feel like that's just Mass Effect without the combat, basically, though. Isn't it? You're making decisions, you're talking to people. Sure, but in that style. Oh, Cell Shaded Mass Effect? Yeah. That would look cool. Yeah, I think it would. I think that would look cool. I would be down for like a like slightly out of proportion like General Shepard. Or Commander Shepard, I mean. Out of proportion? Why does it have to be that? Well, because you know how like the like, usually, like, there's like facial parts that are like exaggerated, like big eyebrows or like Really? Yeah, like you they think do, that's they, part of the style? That they have like the big eyebrows or like the facial structure like is like either like really fat or like exaggerately like skinny. Like they kinda like do a little anthropomorphic, like they kinda get funky with it a little bit. They put their spin on it. They don't just like swap out the palette. You know what I mean? Hmm. Anyways, going off topic now. And then the last thing that I saw at Gamescom that I thought was that I really want to see is Word Song. Do you remember this one? Word Song? No. This was the one with like, it's like nighttime and all of a sudden it shifts into, no, it's daytime, like a castle. There's like a bridge, like a moat. And then it shifts into nighttime and then zooms in on like this like dark figure with like a mask. Nope. Okay. Well, this is the one. It's like a midi. It's the the director of the game talked with IGN he said it's basically based off of like medieval Portugal but the people who are attached to the game come from Bethesda they come from Obsidian they come from like all the major RP- western RPG people you would want which is like like from the makers of Fallout 3 Fallout New Vegas and like Knights of the Republic like, like you're getting people from all these like big western RPG studios together so like that's like that's if you wanted to pitch a game to me that's how you would do it it's like the people who made new vegas the people who made knights of the republic like oh like those people like oh you know it's gonna be a, like a banger rpg so anyways those were the five games at gamescom that or well one of them was a controller but the five announcements i should say five announcements like got my interest johnny let's actually get into our stories because we have we have a ways to go and it's only barely like 20 minutes all right First story comes from Engadget, written by Steve Dent. Oh, I said Steve Dent. It says, Sony's Jim Ryan says Microsoft's Call of Duty promise was inadequate on many levels. Sony PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan has revealed that Microsoft offered to keep Call of Duty available on PlayStation for three years beyond its current Activision deal. Quote, after almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers, end quote, Ryan told GameIndustry.biz. Last week, the UK's competition authority said it was concerned that Microsoft's $68.7 billion Activision Blizzard acquisition could, quote, harm rivals, end quote, by shutting them out of popular games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. Xbox chief Phil Spencer essentially responded by saying the company made a deal with Sony to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for, quote, several more years, end quote, in an offer, quote, that goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements, end quote. However, Sony is apparently concerned about the arrangement. Quote, I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, But I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum, Ryan said. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. 
and it says, keeps going. It says, Activision's current deal with Sony is reported to cover the next three Call of Duty releases, including Modern Warfare 2. So that's this one, the one coming out, plus two more. Last month, Microsoft made an interesting argument about monopoly concerns around the Activision acquisition, saying that the company it wants to pay, saying that the company it wants to pay $68.7 billion to acquire makes no, quote, must-have, end quote, games. Sony, meanwhile, called Call of Duty an essential AAA game that has no rival. As analyst Daniel Ma pointed out, Sony was Activision Blizzard's biggest customer in 2020, while Microsoft was the fourth largest behind Google and Apple. That's it for that. Johnny, what do you make of this uh, Call of Duty drama? So so just before you answer that, real quick. So the current like agreed, agreed upon deal they have is three, three Call of Duties, right? So we have this one, the one coming out like next month, two future ones, right? So for another two years, and then they offer them, hey, we'll do an additional three upon those. And then Jim's like, nah, like that's not going to cut it. Johnny, what do you think about this? It, are, what do you think? It, just give me your, your general impressions. I know we've talked about this before, but I'm just trying to see like, what, where, you're, where you stand now. Same thing as before, dude. I mean, I, I think Sony's just complaining because I, I, honestly, I don't know, dude. Like I don't really care about Call of Duty. I saw that there was that there was gonna be third person coming out, which yeah. is fucking major for me because I love third person games. But in that Call of Duty format with those like tight corridors, I don't know if that's gonna function for me. And as far as Sony making all these complaints, I don't I don't care. Just make a new fucking third person game, Sony or first person. Like if Call of Duty goes away, it's irrelevant to me. What what's your take? I think it's funny how they're how we talked about this before about how Microsoft's trying to downplay the deal. It's like it's not that big of a deal, and call and places like yes, it is. Yes, it is a big deal. Um, I think there's some. Cons- I think it's a legitimate concern for PlayStation to be like, hey, like Call of Duty is this cultural juggernaut, and kind of like hoarding it to yourself. And like saying like okay we'll give you like three more on top of that like that's just it like that's not I think they're just kind of doing that because they want the deal to go through right they want to like be able to absorb Activision Blizzard and so they're kind of like like yeah like don't worry like we'll extend like yeah we'll put so, more. Oh, we'll compromise three years it's- at the same time I do think it does make sense because as the article points out that like Call of Duty in the last not in the 360 era Call of Duty sold better on Xbox. Ever since the PS4 era, like Call of Duty makes way more sales and money on the PlayStation platforms. So I do think there is a grain of truth to when uh, Phil says, like, "Oh, like we'll keep Call of Duty on there because it would be like we talked about this. Like, it's like cutting your face, it's cutting your nose to spite your face, kind of thing, right? Where like it doesn't make sense for you to cut off your this revenue stream in the hopes that oh, they'll maybe it'll jump to our platform because there's a certain amount of gamers I think who would." get on xbox or get on game pass or whatever just to play call of duty but it, i don't think it's the majority of playstation players who would do that exactly that's exactly me so i think oh. it makes sense for them to keep call of duty on playstation platforms but i think playstation is a little jumpy right now with like everything's going down and like they're worried that in the long term that they're not gonna do that they're not gonna honor the promise i guess because it doesn't i mean unless they have like something like sign like hey like at least for the next six or whatever like 
Call of Duty is probably going to be culturally relevant beyond the next six years. I'll, I'll tell you that because I don't think anything's going to dethrone Call of Duty in the next six years. It's just way too big. It has, I think, isn't there like a, I told you, right? It's like a Call of Duty movie in the works. Like, Call of Duty is too culturally important to. Yeah, do. but like right now, it's Sony feeding the beast as well because Sony's player base is like twice the size of Xbox's. So maybe if it just goes to Xbox, it'll just start to blend in with the other games that Microsoft has. You get what I'm saying? It's still going to be a massive game, but with this massive player base that it's no longer going to have on PlayStation, like is it going to be as relevant? Yeah, Can, I think I think so. I think yeah, I think I think No, it's still going to be relevant, but as relevant like and is PlayStation going to be able to make a competitor? Like I know they they have a massive t- development cycle and they have a ton of employees. But can Sony make a game that's on par or close to it? You know, I don't, I don't think, think it. So. I don't think it. It'll make a game that's gonna overshadow Call of Duty. Right. But will it suffice the player base on PlayStation and keep them there? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Just because historically that hasn't been the case with like Resistance or uh, what's the the uh, when did Resistance go away? Uh, shoot. PlayStation Th- after the third f- one. After the third one, Resistance... Yeah, PlayStation 3. It debuted and, like, died on PlayStation 3. And then when did Xbox... I mean, when did Call of Duty, like, really become its... Come into its own? 2000, I would say, like, 2007. So that was when was it was... Was that still... That was, like, the third year of the PS3. Yeah, but, like, those Second two year, those two games were they, like, sort of, like, battling or... No. Not really. No. I mean, people would play Killzone... I agree with you. I'm not sorry. I'm saying they would play Resistance for, like, the story... But, like, there's very few people I've ever talked to that ever said, like, oh, yeah, like, the multiplayer was it. Was but you great. think it was a direct competitor? No, it wasn't meant to be. But that's the closest thing to a, like, first-person Because sh- it is a first-person shooter. Yeah. But that's the closest thing that they could even put against Call of Duty. And, like, it didn't, like, do numbers back then. And mm-hmm. then you have Killzone. Killzone's, like, their other, like, third-person... Uh, first, I'm sorry, first-person shooter. And, like... They're pretty much... I think they're, like, done with it. Like, they haven't said they, they sunsetted the series, but there hasn't mm-hmm. been one since, like, the debut one on PS4 that they launched with. Uh, Shadowfall or whatever. I just don't think... And then that team's not even working on... They're doing the Horizon games and stuff. I just don't think Sony has tried really to make a direct competitor to Call of Duty. Like, Call that, of Duty... They haven't. Co- well, I mean, SOCOM's probably the closest thing, but, like, that's... Yeah, but SOCOM was... The tech was too old for that. Mm. I think the tech was told to have like these massive because now they're, we're doing open world right like fuck a load of games got open world and when SOCOM was around that shit like was not a thing right. so like as a fan of PlayStation if PlayStation came out with like The Last of Us factions that's gonna be a fucking giant game so if they came out with something like that and then a competitor to Call of Duty but maybe not as massive I think that would suffice a lot of people on the PlayStation side and you know PlayStation said they're going to come out with, what was it, like 10 massive fucking games within the next three years or oh, something? Oh, I thought you were talking about the movies and shows. I- no, no. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they were, no, so they were like, working on, uh, I think it was like, wasn't it seven like live service games or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they got a, a bunch of games coming out within the, the next three games or so. Is that going to be enough to keep PlayStation fans that love Call of Duty on the platform. Like, satiated? I don't... I don't know. I really don't know. I... I, I think we're getting a little, a little away from it now, but... 
I well, think I'm, I'm asking you this because you are a Call of Duty fan, right? Yes. I'm really like yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. about it. I mean, for me, I have the option to just go like I'm. It's probably gonna be on Game Pass. I have that option. I always See, have Game Pass. That too. Like, what's the point? Like, is it even a question of like oh, I'm gonna stick to PlayStation or Xbox when it's on Game Pass? Like, who the fuck cares? I think there's well people who don't have Game Pass, people who are not in that ecosystem, people who only play PlayStation. I know a lot of people who only play like PlayStation stuff. And for them, like Call of Duty is still synonymous with PlayStation for them, even though you wouldn't think. How much it, is Game Pass for a year? I don't remember because I just had the monthly one. But it's about a hundred, right? Yeah, probably a little bit more than that. So you think it's? Do you think it's worth like, hey, I'm just gonna pay a hundred bucks just so I could play Call of Duty instead of buying an no. entirely different console? Mm. It's like, hey, I'm gonna save four hundred bucks. I'll just play Call of Duty for the time it comes out, and then I'm just kind of done with it. I, th- I, I, yeah, I think in that case, you're probably better off just, just sticking on PlayStation in that case. Yeah, because, like, you gotta buy the Xbox, 400 bucks, plus. But you don't have to buy the bucks. Xbox, so I have Game Pass for my PC. That's, that's the point. Okay. If, if it's a question of, like, going to Xbox or PlayStation, it's like, I'm not gonna buy a $400 console just to play this one fucking game. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Am I making any sense or am I pushing? Sort of, it? yeah. I just now I'm I'm starting to get more confused because now we're like like we're like really into the weeds now, and I'm just like 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 Johnny. I just wanted to know what you thought about Jim Ryan. <laughs> I'm in a fighting mood. You're in a fighting mood. I can tell. I can tell. All right, let's keep it going, Johnny. Next, the state of play, Johnny. So we're gonna just kind of do the bullet point notes. If you want to say something, say something. If you don't, like I'll look at you, and you can just do like 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 pass or like the low poker motion the, the, the shit that just came out the one that literally just happened like three maybe two days ago all right so it, it starts off right we have the state of play it's 20 minutes starts off with like the storm it's dark and then we pull back and we see it's tekken 8 right you got mm-hmm. you got Jin and Kaz- i think his name's kazuma and i forget the guy's name Jin. it's basically Jin and his dad i forget the, what his dad's name is but they're fighting in the rain it's like a weird like juxtaposition between cutscenes and actual gameplay. Like mm-hmm. you can tell because there's no HUD, but you can tell like that when the fighting's happening, like it's in engine, right? They're doing it's tr- trading. I'm like punching right now in front of Johnny. They're like, trading blows. I didn't even think about there's it. Uppercut. I just took it in as a cinematic. No, you can tell as a cinematic when they would do the slow mo and like they would be like trying like move the camera around. Mm-hmm. But then when they're just like fighting, like it's straight up like the side profile, like actual in game like fighting, okay. just without the HUD, basically. All right. And then you know, he, uh, he takes out, I forgot, someone get, grows a wing. And then, like, they have this really cool, like, this really cool cinematic where, like, the chain is, like, the eight. It's, like, a broken chain or whatever. And the chain links form the eight, like, the logo for Tekken 8. I, th- I thought that was really cool. I, I like the design of that as, like, the eight. Like, whenever people use, like, the objects or, like, something to make the shape. Like, when Resident Evil Village did the uh, Resident Evil uh, 7, they also did the same thing with the, the, the seven in Village, the V-I... Mm-hmm. LL as like the Roman numeral like I love when they get creative with that but anyways I'm not a big Tekken guy I know you're not a big Tekken guy but Tekken is probably like at one of the most important like fighter fighting games for like PlayStation it's not exclusive it's not an exclusive right it's Bando, uh, Bandai Namco but I think when I think of Tekken I think synonymously of PlayStation because that has like that heritage right there so uh, no thoughts no no okay all right, yeah, we're not we're not big we're not big Tekken guys. So the next one was the uh, they showed that Star Wars game that came out on Oculus, the VR one, the t- was it uh, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge? 
basically it's coming to VR, PSVR 2. They announced, they said it's PlayStation VR 2 title. It's getting like upgrades and some like extra content from the Oculus, the first uh, original Oculus game. But now it's being ported to VR 2. They're getting, I think they mentioned, I, re- I read the blurb because I wrote a little bit about it. They're uh, incorporating like the eye tracking technology for it. And mm-hmm. they're also going to add like extra haptics into the headset for this game. So this will be the definitive version of this game, but on PSVR 2. Um, I loved Star Wars Squadrons, which was another Star Wars VR game. And this one doesn't really look like it's going to scratch that itch for me. It looks more like an action-adventure, kind of like you're wandering around kind of thing. While also being tied to Galaxy's Edge, the the theme park part in Disneyland at Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's just kind of meand- meand- meandering a little bit. Um, anyways, and then we saw, I don't know if you remember this one, Johnny, called Demio. This was like that Dungeons and Dragons looking. Ah, uh, Demio. Yeah, this was the above like isometric like D and D where like you're moving. You have the cards in your hands and you're moving the characters around the board. Oh, okay, okay. That looks really cool. I'm not a big D and D fan, but I've always wanted to try something like D and D. It just seems so like um, like you just have to invest a lot of time and effort into like really getting into that. Kind of like with Warhammer, where I always wanted... Like, Warhammer seems so dense. Like, like, there's no way I want to get into it. I was about to get a Warhammer game. Because it was, like, super cheap. But the more reviews I looked at, it started, like... I started losing interest. Oh. But I, I want to get into the series so bad. Yeah, so Demio, I, I read on the PlayStation... Each of these each of these games, by the way, has, like, its own PlayStation blog post. So if you want to, like, delve deeper. But Demio is... Essentially, it's like they want to recreate the uh, Friday night game game night kind of thing where like you get together on the VR with your friends who also have the game and you guys have like a you have a room code like for the game for the match you're in. So like as, as long as everybody knows the room code, like the password, they can get in on their own VR headset mm-hmm. and like you can change like you can change like your avatar, like your inhuman avatar, like the player who's above the board game. Okay. You can change like your mask and like your like a face and stuff like that. But you're basically like playing. It's like D and D, but you're like moving. So they're gonna take advantage of the uh, the haptics in the controller, where like when you grab something, you have to actually make the motion for grabbing with your fingers. And they said they would even simulate the weight of how the different things. So like I guess the vibration is how you would do that, right? So like different pieces you pick up would have a different weight. Like how would you change the mass of a controller? Well, you would do it by vibrations, right? The more intense something feels, the heavier it is, right? The lighter, the less vibration, the lighter it feels, kind of thing. So like when you're like moving the the pawns or whatever across the board, and then your other hand you have like these like cards in action. So it's basically like a D and D style game in VR. Really cool, really cool uh, design, really cool concept. My problem is I'm probably not going to find anybody who wants to play this with me. <laughs> so I'm hoping there's like a substantial like offline campaign or very very easy like matchmaking. And hopefully the game sessions are not super long because there's I can imagine a lot of people want to stick around for a two three hour game right, so it looks really cool. Uh, next one after that they showed uh, like a dragon Ishin. So this is a remake of a Japanese only released Yakuza game. This was the one. This was one of the Yakuza games that was based in like Edo Japan, Japan like not the modern Yakuza gangster one, but like the Ronin Samurai Yakuza games. So it's not called Yakuza because this predates the Yakuza. It's called it's like a dragon. They're they're kind of getting they're trying to get away from the Yakuza name, like they're keeping that same title, but they're getting they're, they've abandoned the Yakuza name just because like they want to bring their because uh, in Japan it's not called Yakuza. The series is called like a dragon basically, 
And so they kind of just want to bring you together. Kind of like how over there it's Biohazard, over here it's Resident Evil. But they've kind of incorporated Biohazard more into the name to kind of like synchronize it a little bit more. Same same concept here. So uh, Ishin is basically, it's a remake of a 2014 game, Yakuza game, Sega game. They didn't come to over here to the shores, to the Western, because it was deemed too Japanese for Western players. Because it's set during the Edo Japan period where they're phasing out samurai and bringing Japan to the modern age with guns and stuff and like a military and like electricity and all that. So this is really cool because as someone who's only be- who's become like a fan of the Yakuza games in the last two years, like I heard like this is like a really, really great game, but it just never got a Western release. You know what changed their mind, Johnny? They saw the they saw the they saw the reaction to Ghost of Tsushima. And they said, Oh, there is a market for Jap- super Japanese games in West in Western like territories. Like because people bought Ghost of Tsushima, they were into it, like, oh, I guess we were wrong. Like, maybe people are interested in these Japanese like settings. So that was a game. That was an interview with uh, with Fanbyte. They mentioned that uh, that seeing how people how the West reacted to Ghost of Shima was like okay, like they are ready for this. So that they're remaking the game and they're pouring it over here. That's what I've been telling you with the comics. Like I don't, I haven't read a comic in a long time. But remember, we went to Barnes and Noble. Yes. And I was like, hey Andrew, look at the U.S. market right here. And then everything else was fucking from Japan, right? Yeah, fuckload of anime all around you. There was the one American comic section, and it was like surrounded on all sides by manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there is some. I don't know what it is because I'm part of it too. But there is some kind of. I don't know. I don't know if it's that's. Not, I wouldn't say it's a fetish, but there is some kind of like enamored. We, like we're enamored with Japanese culture, and I'm aware of it too because I am too. But I can't tell you. Do you think that's an American thing? You, you no, it's like because in Mexico? Europe too. No, because in no, yeah, Mexico also. Mexico also like. I've seen some of it, but I don't know if it's like the way we talk about Japan. I've seen no because I do follow on Twitter. There's a couple of uh, Mexican like Spanish uh, Twitter accounts. Who are super into like manga and anime and i do remember like dude if you ever been to mexico you've seen like like they love dragon ball z over there like that's true yeah. the paintings the graffiti the murals there's like taco stands that i remember there was a there was a taco stand that had like uh it was like uh tacos like goku or something like that like it was like <laughs> it was a goku themed taco stand like on the wall like spray painted super saiyan goku and it had like doc tacos but it was like in the dragon ball z font with like the O had the Dragon Ball in it. You know what I mean? Like, Bakos, the like, DBZ and, like, anime in general is, like, actually super huge in uh, Mexico. Hmm. I know in Europe it is, too. I know Europe has, like, a huge sec- like a huge obsession with yeah. I don't know what it is. I think part of it is just the aesthetic, the kind of, like, neo-future. Like, Japan has this... It's weird. Like, Japan has, like, this ancient, like, honor, traditional, like, aspect people think of, like, samurai. But then they also have, like, the futuristic, like... Yeah, it's like super Gundam and Neon Evangelion, like super like like vapor where like not vapor like neon like futuristic like robots. Well they, well, they have that hyper futuristic stuff superimposed with old tradition. Yes, I think that's that dynamic is awesome. It's like the best of both worlds, kind of. I guess you'd yeah. say, yeah. And there's just something about that that appeals to the rest of the world because I guess we don't really have that. We're more rural over there. Like they have rural, and then they have like super super like condensed like. Metropolitan, metropolitan, metropolitan kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. But I, anyways, I, I'm not, I try not to go off on tangents, but it just happens. It was a good tangents. Fuck it. Yeah. So, so they're finally bringing this what was originally a Japanese only Yakuza game, remastering it, redoing everything in 
changing the engine, making it the mo- like the modern Yakuza games, and bringing it finally to our western shores. Uh, next thing we saw was they added oh um, Hogwarts Legacy is getting like a, a PlayStation exclusive like DLC or like section. Um, I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I'm just not that much of a Harry Potter person anymore. But uh, they're adding like a, an exclusive quest for PlayStation for the PlayStation version. So. I guess if you were someone who was on the fence, like, man, I can't wait to play some Wizards and stuff. Like, oh, am I going to get it on PC or Xbox or PlayStation? Clearly, now the front runner would be the PlayStation version. Uh, so, yeah. Next thing, Johnny, we kind of showed us more about the PlayStation Stars, one of those digital collectibles that people were worried yeah, about. Yeah, they don't look great right now. I like the Ape Escape one. I thought that was kind of cute. The I have everything else I could not recognize. There, yeah, some of those are a little more obscure, but I think that's because we probably just don't play those games. I think there was one I saw for uh, MotorStorm. It looked like a MotorStorm collectible. It was like a, it was like that caged ATV looking thingy, and it reminded me of MotorStorm. I think it's from MotorStorm. Or it could be Twisted Metal. I'm not sure which. I don't know if we spoke about this earlier, but there's a different game. It's like a tabletop game where you could design your characters. You could paint them. That was from yeah. That was from the gamescom thing i believe i forgot i can't remember the name of it i know what you're talking about though yeah if they added that to playstation what are they where they're just gray right they're just gray and then yeah you to, let like, me paint the damn thing and that's what's gonna add to that special touch where i could just shit like hey andrew look i fucking painted this whole thing yeah so do that do that <laughs> okay uh next thing after that johnny they showed us the trailer for what was originally called project eve and is now called stellar blade, stellar blade. So i like the one? name Stellar Blade? I like it. it. It sounds like it sounds like a, a brand of like very like professional like cooking utensils like Stellar Blade. Like the knife, like this is the knife you use for cutting your chicken, the Stellar Blade. Kind of like the kind of like the That's a little chauvinistic, Andrew. You think so? Stellar Blade? No. Oh, cuz it's kitchen. Ah, <laughs> no. But this was if you remember last year around this time last year they showed this as Project Eve where like the girl gets like ejected from like a space station thing fighting a monster. I don't know oh, if you remember that. Miss Double Cheeked Up. Yes. Do you remember that? Uh, no, no. She was like finding some kind of alien like in the first debut trailer and then like she gets ejected out of the space station to space with the I alien. don't remember that section, oh. but I do remember the first trailer. That's the same trailer, Johnny. No, I know. I just don't oh. remember the part where you're saying it. Oh, okay. She got you. Got you. So uh, apparently, from what I read about this, the premise is that this character, Eve is she's coming back to like earth and like the earth is destroyed but there's like one city that's still like inhabitable and she's like trying to like either i forgot if it's either she's trying to figure out what happened or if she's trying to like restore the earth while dealing with like these alien machine creatures the game looks phenomenal it looks mm-hmm. absurd. it looks not just the character but just like the action looks very fast paced it looks very clear very clean particle look cool yeah everything looks dope also i mentioned in the dms the fucking music looks it sounds great dude it sounds very fine too very yes. crafted to that scenery it didn't it, i mean it didn't really like i wasn't like paint like listening super hard but yeah yeah i, I do remember the music sounding very good yeah uh, yeah it gave me it gave me chrono trigger vibes the music really okay yeah i could see that i can kind of see that it, it kind of reminds me of like it reminds me of like it looks like it would be like a platinum game like bayonetta or like kind of like devil may cry ish kind of or like vanquish like one of those kind of style like frantic action like blink and you'll miss it kind of like that kind of game you know what i mean it looks sort of like it looks a, like some i've been kind of craving for something like this it's like sort of like uh, raiden's rising 
Revengeance, kind Revengeance, of? Revengeance, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I guess so. Except Revengeance is actually a, a little slower, I think. But yeah, it kind of it reminds me of that style of game, and I think PlayStation's being kind of hungry for stuff. Wait, like is that. this an exclusive? It is a console exclusive, so it probably will still show up on PC. Thank you, Sony. Yeah, I think they, I think this was a point where they said, "Hey, the next few games are console exclusive for PlayStation," which was like four or five of them. That was like halfway through, because at the halfway mark, I was like, "Okay." Like they're getting started, and then all the way through to the end of the of the showcase, it was just fucking great. Yeah, uh, the next one they showed after that was Rise of the Ronin. This is the action RPG from. Uh, Wait, uh-oh. did we talk about uh, Duality? Yes, that's the next one after this. All right, cool. So yeah, I'm going in order of how they released them. That's why. Oh, that's actually not true. That's how they, it's the order of how they show up on the blog. I think they because I think in the show since Duality came before, before Stellar Blade. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I'm going by the blog way. Anyways, we'll get there in a second. So Rise of the Ronin. This is like the super like samurai looking game they showed us. It looks like it's set during the Edo period. Like I think we talked about. Like because you do see the uh, Commander Perry, who's like the white guy who opened up Japan to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. He's like wearing like his like naval like Napoleon ass looking outfit or whatever, and. If you don't know that part of American history, Johnny, I forgot who it was. Who was our president at that time? We sent command. We sent uh, Commodore Perry, Matthew gonna... Perry, to go force Japan open to the rest of the world, and we pointed our guns at them and we're like, "Okay, we'll do it." And that's what happened. I was gonna throw a random president out there. Taft. Is it Taft? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. Anyways, so this game looks to be covering that period, and it's from Team Ninja, the people who have done, um, they've done like the what you call it? I can't. Uh, Ninja Gaiden. They've done some other stuff. You probably familiar with. They did the. Uh, oh, this was Taft died in nineteen thirty. Was that the same? Time? Oh no no no. There's I think there is two Tafts though. No. No no no. I'm sorry. I think I have, there's two Harrisons. There's two Harrisons. I so what year are we talking about? This the okay, so this would have been like right after the Civil War, so about eighteen, I want to say eighteen sixty seventies around there. Okay, maybe a little bit later than that actually. I'm trying to think, because Edo Japan, the Edo period of Japan is like after the sixteen hundreds, leading up to when they get rid of the samurai like in the mid to eight yeah because the last samurai with tom cruise mm-hmm. he's a civil war veteran who goes to japan to train the local military to fight the samurai so this would have been at least 1870s and also there's a gun in the game so that kind of tells you like they have revolvers and stuff 1870s yeah anyways this game looks really cool. It's an action RPG. So, Johnny, when you have action and RPG in the same title, like, I am excited. So, this is another uh, interesting uh, exclusive for them over there on PlayStation. So, they're, they're, they're putting effort. They're putting effort. Next one, Johnny. This one's the more cutesy anime-ish Sin Duality. I hope I'm saying oh, that right. Sin, du- Sin, du- Sin Duality, which is like a very dystopian, futuristic style adventure game with a robot. It looks like you have like a robot companion. I don't know if she goes in the mech or if she rides on the mech. She rides on it. She rides on it. Okay. Yeah. And it has like a. I saw like it has like a grenade launcher. It has like some other like weapons and implements. Yeah, this just gives me gives me that vibe of like uh, it's just like the main character with the little homie, right? Like uh, <laughs> like Ash and Pikachu. Or okay, or Kratos and Atreus, or yeah, it gives me that vibe. 
Uh, it's fucking awesome, dude. It's got mechs in it. I need more games with mechs. I, I don't know the last time I played a game where I got to control a mech. Um, Might have been, what is it, uh, uh, Armored Core on PS2 or PS1? That long? Yeah. I think the last mech game I might have played was... Uh, uh, okay, so in Borderlands 3... One of the playable characters hat you can jump your your special you know how each person has like a special like ability mm-hmm. you jump into a mech the, you have a mech with you and you jump into the mech and you can like fire in first person like your mech there there's that's the like, last closest thing to that I played there is an exception to this which is probably the ultimate mech experience but it doesn't oh, last long you're talking about Metal Gear exactly I knew it I knew yeah. it when you ride Rex in fight against Ray yeah fuck. I guess that I would count that as that's a that's an insane fight. I would count that as a mega experience. I guess I would, for sure. Yeah, this game looks cute. It looks like it looks a little charming, but I also like how it's it, it's juxtaposed 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 juxtaposition. No, I'm trying to use the term for like past juxtaposed juxtaposed or past juxtaposed and past. Thank you. There you go. Juxtaposed with like cutesy character, but then like more serious setting. So I like oh, how yeah, yeah. I like that cool. mixture when they do like stuff like that where like 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 hey like this is war it's dark but there's there's room for like you know your little cute waifu characters and stuff. So. The little portion that threw me off is when the mech dives into like the minerals. Like, is there gonna be harvesting? What is this about? Is it just yeah, basic collecting? I think so you know what for upgrades or for some type of economy wanna, in the game? We're almost done with this section, so I'm just gonna go ahead and jump on the blog post real quick because that's a good question. Uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, set in a dystopian future where poisonous rain and deformed creatures wreak havoc on the world, where you and your AI partner must find a way to work together and reclaim lost ground for humanity. Adding to the excitement, we have partnered with prominent designers for character design and for mech design to bring their unique sci-fi take to the game. Please check out the real trailer. Okay, so yeah, it looks like there is some reclamation uh, harvesting stuff going on. Uh, yeah, it seems like there is some kind of like, yeah, search for scarce resources. Yeah, in the world of sensuality, you will take on a role as drifters who make a living by collecting AO crystals, a rare resource that can only be obtained in dangerous terrestrial environments. You will take on each mission in your cradle coffin. Also, oh, it's called the suit, the arc. cradle coffin. Yeah, that's funny. All right, because cradles, like, you know, born. And I'm, coffins are like death. I'm looking at the mech, and it looks like you might be able to customize it. Yeah, an armed vehicle. So if you do like ride a, it because it's a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. That will get you mobile during the adventure. Players can personalize their cradle coffin. Hell yeah. Not only in its appearance, but the weapons equipped, as well as to make your cradle coffin suit your own play style. That's a cool name. I like that. Cradle coffin. That's dope. Okay, so yeah, Johnny, you're right. There is like harvesting kind of like resource gathering elements in the game. Yeah, because at the beginning of the trailer, there's also a base. Yeah, I wonder if you that, can yeah, that's the. That. Uh, they have the name right here. I just lost the name. Where was it? They call it something. Amazia. There you go. Your underground haven, Amazia. Yeah. Looks cute. I like it. Uh, to the cinematic portion, they look great, dude. It's like the little girl. But she's like super serious. She's focused. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I, and with with the gray hair, all, all of it looks good. Like the yeah. physics in it. You know mm. what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a uh, what's it called? The the girl, the pink one. Yeah, yes. I knew you were talking about her. Uh, I think they just call her Peachan. Peachan? I think that's that's what they call her. What's the series called though? I, I Johnny's talking about uh, Sword Online Gun Game. Yes. yes. The the girl with the pink P90 is talking about Peachan. But uh, yeah, it looks cute. Are, 
Did you catch where all of these games supposed to come out next year, or some of them were like 2024 or like no date given? Uh, there's no date on this video. Okay, yeah, I don't think this one had an actual date, just that it was coming. I think Stellar Blade is next year, right? I think they put 2023. Mm-hmm. And then I think Rise of the Ronin didn't have a date. I like could be wrong. And then, Johnny, they ended it with the big, of course, uh, trailer for God of War Ragnarok. Here, here's a comment from somebody. Uh, Titanfall Wife of Warfare. That's that's very apt. That's yeah. very apt. That's a good comparison, Titan, Titanfall Wife of Warrior. I love that. Slap slap that on the box, Johnny. Slap that name on the box. Uh, <laughs> um, so I wasn't I was as you may know, Johnny. I wasn't really big on God of War Ragnarok coming out. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I wasn't really like I wasn't gonna get it at launch. Then we see this story trailer, Johnny, and I'm like, blown away. Like, wow, this looks really good. I was on the offense, and now it's like like I'm like that Leonardo DiCaprio. Like like you had my it's like you had my curiosity. Now you have my interest. Because we see, like, I think the moment where I kind of came around the scene was that part where Kratos grabs, like, this lizard thing, pulls it back, and then Atreus, like, takes a shot. Like, well, that was on the last trailer. I don't remember that. They and then what really sealed it was him shooting the sun yeah. with yeah. that arrow. And, then, like, this, I don't know, like, this thing comes out to the right of him. And, it was like, a wolf. Oh, is it a wolf? Okay. Yeah. And, like, it chases the sun down and is replaced by nighttime immediately. Like, I'm like, that looks so cool. Mm-hmm. I imagine you're probably not going to be doing, I don't know if you're going to be doing that a lot or if it's just, like, one instance, like, for story purposes or whatever. But, like, seeing, because I really thought, like, off the first trailer we saw, like, oh, it's just more snow laden. Like, oh, like, I, I, I hate games where we only have, like, one environment. But then we see like there's like uh, there's like a river area, there's like a forest area, there's like a lighter like plain area. They get the snow area. There's a dwarf city. There's the dwarfs. Yes, there's dwarfs. There's like different biomes going. on. I'm like, oh, okay, this looks a little more interesting. And then you now. saw mermaids in it. There might be some type of biome like that. Yeah, some kind Kratos of. Kratos is creature. underwater. Kratos saves him, so there might be some heavy water. And then I started remembering that like in the 2018 God of War, you do have the different like realms that Jotunheim and all the different Those nine realms. The the fairy one, the, yeah, the, the elf realm. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's not just all snow. It just that's how the trailers present where it's just all snow, but there is other environments. I'm like, okay, okay, and then like, well, there's it, gonna be a lot of snow. It's Fimble Winter, right? But like so you're seeing like all these different environments, all these different like character types and the action and like and then, like the dialogue he's having with uh I mean there is no better line. I've never heard a better line than death can have me when it has earned it or something like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. like, oh that goes hard. That line goes hard. Yeah. So like him like talking with I, I think it's Tyr, right? The other god of war, the tall guy, right? It's a mama didn't raise no bitch type of line. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Mama said to knock you out, kind of thing, right? And I'm like, okay, you did it, Sony Santa Monka. Yeah, you've earned my purchase. And that was it. That was purchase to play. Dude, you you have to complete the first one. I am. I'm gonna. I'll probably. I'm gonna try to complete it either. How far did you get? I got to the part. Okay, this is the the game lost me because it can it. It's not great at like guiding you at some points. It kind of like. There are some moments. When it comes yeah. to guiding stuff, I, you need to hold my hand a little bit. Like I like uh, especially if there's no like map or like in-game map where I can like fast travel. I don't remember if there is actually. Don't there is. Okay. Next, I don't remember. But it was a part where they wanted me to go to some smoky area, some smoky or cloudy area to get access to Jotunheim, like the realm of the ice giants. So the last thing I beat before that was that giant thunder dragon. And then they chopped off the head of uh, Mir. That's Mir? so early, dude. It's probably like a third way. I think maybe it's like a third of the way through. 
uh, and they want me. You know how you do like change the thing, the bridge to like go to like where you want it to line up to or whatever. Yeah, but also you're on PS5, so this shit should be so fluid. Well, I played on PS4 though, the first pro- time. Yeah, probably one of the more frustrating things is like going back to the accession and letting the whole thing load. And on I PS5, remember the, I'm hoping it's just a lot. I remember the game also. There was a bug where for some reason the enemies weren't dying. I don't know if that ever happened to you. There was a bug no. on PS4 where like. There's like this long like frost bridge area. All right. It's right before you get the mirror, mirror, whatever his name, the head on oh, your waist. Yeah. And for some reason the enemies weren't dying. I had to like reload the save or something, and then like it started working again. But yeah, I got lost. They wanted me to go to Jordanheim, and like the game wasn't very clear on how to get there, and I just I think I got distracted. So are you gonna do it from scratch? I've forgotten so much. I'm gonna have to do it from scratch. I think. Okay. Because I don't remember. I don't remember the buttons, and I also don't remember like the tutorials, and I don't remember like the story too much. Actually, the dragon isn't that early on, so you, yeah, you might be a little closer. I just remember being inside of that mountain and trying to do some puzzle, and then, like that took me forever. It was annoying. And then you get to the dragon after that. Once the lift goes up, mm-hmm. then you come into contact with the dragon. And But yeah, I, I got lost trying to find Jordanheim, and I just gave up try, trying to find it. So, And I think that's when I lost interest. I, okay, so for me, God of War, the, the biggest intrigue with the latest games is there's a revelation with your son. He's I know. Certain, that's wall to me. Yeah, He's a certain individual. There's that portion... And then, of course, you didn't get to fight a lot of gods. So I want to see the entire pantheon of North mythology. Well, we see right? that trailer, right? We saw in the trailer you're fighting Thor, right? With yeah, the, you're fighting Thor. We still haven't seen... Uh, you seem like... What's his name? Uh, father. You seem like a calm and reasonable person. Uh, Are you? Odin. We haven't seen Odin. Um, Don't we see Odin in the trailer? Like that guy with the big robes like at the door? That's not him? No, I don't think that's Odin. That looks like... like if anyone looks like Odin, it would be that guy. He looks like very Odin-looking. So there's that. That portion is a mystery. Um, a world serpent. Like, is there... Are you supposed to fight that thing? No, but there's this weird thing. Like... The Jormungan? Jormungander. Right there. there you go. There so you go. Is there, there's this weird thing. Did, did your son create Jormungander? And there's a, a specific language that he speaks that nobody speaks, but Mimir actually speaks it. Well, according to Norse mythology, yes. So, so there's that, and, <laughs> and then the wolf too, I think. Is is Jorgenmander from the future? And he gets launched back into the path because past because there's a giant fight that Kratos has with Thor, and then the the battle is so massive that time gets fucked up. What? So there's like all these little details where it's like North- I can't wait to see this shit. Is that is time travel a thing in Norse mythology? Or is it just like in this game? I don't fucking know. Uh, so, I know the I know the <clears throat> the Atreus and the Jormungand connection because of actual Norse mythology. That's yeah. true, but I don't remember there being like a time component. So I'm curious. Like, well, these are just theories because oh, okay. in the game they don't they don't make sense. It's like who blew the horn type of thing to bring out Jormungandr. Was it uh, a Kratos's wife? Like, what's going on? Is she still alive? Mm. So there's ton of fucking cri- uh, cliffhangers that they're left behind okay I'm, I'm i want i'm excited now that it's on ps5 because i i want to see what the optimal version of that game looks like oh also i want to see because kratos came from greek right the greek, greek mythology, mythology and then he went to norse mythology and it's like what are they going to do after this game because they oh. said this was the end of the norse part right this, yes yeah yeah so they're you have to imagine that if some people are have theories that kratos is going to die um, if no. you've been around long enough, you know that that doesn't stop him. Yeah. <laughs> he's come, he's climbed out of like how or Hades or whatever like twice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can't keep him down. You can't keep him down. 
So the the that's the portion I'm probably most interested in. Everything is like blowing my mind. But I think the part that's gonna blow my mind the most is like where are we gonna go next? I think that's gonna be Egypt. It could be Japan. Uh, the problem with Egypt it's too similar to Greek. It's not the same, but it's they share so many similarities and so many. But like, their gods are different. Their gods are different. But I'm talking about like from an architectural like point of view. From a uh, they have a lot of columns, a lot of like obelisks, like a lot of that stuff carries over. Because Greek Greece and Egypt were only separated by the Mediterranean. Like they were constantly like going back and forth. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's too samey, even though it's not the same. Like you said. I think they should go like Mesopotamian. That would be interesting. Like with Gilgamesh and like like Baal and like those kind of... I don't know what they're... I don't know anything about their gods. Exactly. That's way more exci- exciting. <laughs> yeah, but also the thing is, how does this story blend into that realm? To that new realm? Well, did they explain how he ends up in Odin, whatever, Thaim, Midgar, wherever he's... Whatever? No, it seems like he was just trying to get away. If I just head in that direction long enough, right? So what's behind this portal? Yeah. I don't know if it was just at random or whatever. So they don't explain that in... No, there's also one of the old Greek gods just still, like, haunting his ass. Oh. So she shows up in the game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like, why the fuck is she still around? Because of the plagues. Yeah, because she (laughs) says, like, he's a monster and then... Kratos is like, I'm not your monster. You know, I'm my own thing. I'm independent, whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, Did they change Kratos' voice actor again in the trailer or no? No. He sounds different than the no, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Uh, he just sounds way more like gravelly. Maybe more, uh, maybe the performance is shining through a lot more. Older, okay. More emphasis on. Could be. Could be. On his performance. So anyways, that was the state of play. Johnny, what did you think about the state of play overall? I thought it was actually pretty good, but I want to see what you think. Uh, I thought we missed the game. Uh, it was good. I give it a I give it an eight. Uh, yeah, there was one I did skip just because I don't remember it. Uh, so, oh, okay, I do remember Pacific Drive. This was the car game where you're racing from. The, that looks fun. I forgot it, about it's that. It's like the Ghostbusters looking car. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a station sh- wagon. Like a station wagon. Yeah, that looks fun. And I, it was like raining, like like rocks and tornadoes, and it looks like the whole game is just you driving. It looks like it. Yeah, you're in the forest and you're crossing bridges and you get all these. Like, uh, what do I call them? Um, like haunted storms, right? Yeah, like it's like it's like a, it's like a, it's like a thunderstorm with like tornadoes. Yeah, and that wasn't like, the verbiage I was going for, but yeah, squall, yeah. hurricane. I don't know. These supernatural storms that are are coming your way. Okay. So the mystery is like, why, the f- why are you trying you to get away with it? How did this happen? Why? I mean, like it looks obvious why you're trying to get away. <laughs> I gotta see more of that. Uh, a game that's based just surrounding this one car and we kind of had that with uh, Days Gone right with the motorcycle yep that's true that was your little home base right there that's true that's true yeah I'm, I'm just curious because I mean it's just a small teaser trailer like I need more questions answered before I can be like yeah I want to play that or like no I don't want to play that like are you just driving the entire time do you stop periodically to like stock up and refuel? Or like, yeah, it shows like, him getting out. Yeah, stuff in his trunk. But is that just like a one-time thing to start the game, or like you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I need more questions answered. But it's an interesting premise because it's not something we see all the time. But that's cool. There dude. might be a reason for that. <laughs> Another one that thinks outside of the box like that is a uh, uh, what is it called? Choo Choo Charlie. Oh, that PC. It's not out yet, right? I don't think it is. I don't think so. I know what you're talking about. It's, I, it's, it's like that dark, twisted Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, you're in the train the whole time. 
and then there's another train trying to kill you. Yeah, you have a smaller, not non sentient train being chased by a tarantula. Yeah, sentient yeah, yeah. evil train. Yeah, but uh, so I guess we both agree it was a good suit to play then, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. And then that that was an interesting Tuesday, Johnny, because that same morning there was a Nintendo Direct, and which just went. Did you see the tweet? Did I sent you the tweet where like PlayStation was like, "Oh, it looks like we're both busy tomorrow," kind of thing, which I thought was funny. Uh, this is the Nintendo Direct. This one's uh, over at Polygon. Uh, Nicole Carpenter is going to give us the rundown here. Uh, the big one, of course, was Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Now, funny enough, Johnny, they did not show the Nintendo Direct in the UK. They canceled it because of the mourning period for Queen Elizabeth. But some people were pointing out, like, did they cancel it because of the name? Tears of the Kingdom? Wait, the Direct was called that? No, the Legend of Zelda game that was announced got renamed to... People were calling it Breath of the Wild 2, but officially the title is Tears of the Kingdom. Like, like, maybe that's why they didn't show it in the UK. (laughs) Because, like, it's a kingdom or a queendom, I guess. How do you feel about that? When, um... When companies or organizations are like, no, we're too sensitive to just let things be the way they are. They've done that before. Do you remember when we were supposed to have the original State of Play showing the PS5 during the the uh, the Floyd... Um, what's his name? Full name. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Floyd... Uh, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about. It's Back in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's slipping on my mind right now. I want to say Floyd Mayweather, but that's the boxer. That's a different Floyd. George. George Floyd. Thank you. Why don't you just tell me? George Floyd, right? When that happened, like, they delayed the state of play, like, two weeks. Because, like, oh, this isn't, like, we're reading the room. This isn't the right time for this. I don't really like it when people start editing or making adjustments just because of what's going on in real time. Like, uh... But it's not the first time they've done this, Johnny. Well, like... Well, there's a massive tangent, but... Okay. We okay. We'll get into this later. We just listened to Kojima's podcast, right? And he talks about I don't know. I don't remember if it was in this podcast, but he talks about how much editing he had to do with. No, it wasn't on the podcast. Oh, how much editing he had to do with uh, Sons of Liberty? Yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. Because he had to take the... out the Twin Towers and like there were like hundreds of little pieces. Because the that intros in the in the Hudson, yeah, in the yeah. in New York, yeah, yeah. I don't. I wish it was in there. This happened earlier this year, also, where uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Remake was supposed to come out on Switch the same week that the war in the Ukraine started. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo was like, you know what? Like, we're going to delay this game because of, of the cri- the crisis in Ukraine, they called it. But, like, that's been going... That was supposed to come out when that game when that war started. And, like, Nintendo's like, like, the game's still coming, but, like, there's still no official release date for that game. Like, it still hasn't come out yet, and there's no, like, announced date for the next year when it's supposed to come out. That game is done. It was finished earlier this year. It was supposed to come out back in, I want to say, like, April, May. When when did the Ukraine crisis start? Do you remember? Was it April, May? Maybe earlier than that? March? No. I think March. Okay. That game was supposed to come... Advance Wars was supposed to come out back in March or so. And it's it's, like... It's been a whole, not a whole year, I'm exaggerating. It's been half a year, and we still have no idea when that game's going to come out. So, this stuff happens all the time. I don't like it. I feel like it does a disservice to... Especially, yeah, I think to, this this instance... I feel like it's necessary for posterity. I don't know yeah. how to say the word. I know what you're talking about, like, just, like, in hindsight. Yeah, because you want to cover your bases. You don't want to be, like, flamed in the news or whatever. But I think this is, in this case, the Tears of the Kingdom for Legend of Zelda. I think that's, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have associated that with queen elizabeth like it would have been like whatever you know what i mean but 
If I think if they want to postpone things, that's cool, but not start editing the product. Oh no no, they didn't edit it. They just didn't show the direct. They they sh- they didn't show it live. They they put up the direct later on in, in that that evening, like post recorded. Uh, they new, they announced a new Fire Emblem game. I'm not a big Fire Emblem fan, even though I do love strategy RPGs. But I just started playing the Fire Emblem Awakening on the 3DS, mm-hmm. which is like the game that saved the series. And I mean, I'm probably gonna play it because I do like strategy RPGs. But I'm getting there. I'm not. I'm not like versed. I'm not like well versed in the lore of Fire Emblem. Uh, and then It Takes Two, last year's game of the year, is coming to Switch. Um, interesting because I think. I don't know if it is a cloud version or the actual like cartridge because that game looks pretty good on modern consoles. I don't know if it will look good on Switch, so I imagine it might be a cloud version. Uh, they showed Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. Have you played any of the Fatal Frame games, Johnny? No. Are you aware of them? Fatal Frame. So these are horror games where like you take picture. It's like a Japanese game where you take oh, pic- frame. Okay. Frame. Yeah, frame. Where you take you have a camera and you have to like capture ghosts, but you capture them by taking pictures. Mm-hmm. But like the scary stuff, where like you don't see anything, but you scan around with your camera, and it's like jump scares. It's been around since I want to say at least the Dreamcast. Like Fatal Frame's always been bigger over in Japan than it has been here. But they have put out like releases over here throughout the years and stuff. It's a spooky, spooky game. Uh, then they show there's like DLC coming to Xenoblade Chronicles Three, um, Tunic, which was like a very popular PC game, is coming to Switch. Front Mission. Now this is the one I'm excited for. Front Mission. Basically, one, two, and three. So, if you've never played the Front Mission games, they are Square Enix mech-based RPGs. So, like, you're kind of like you have a squad of mechs, and you basically just go around like XCOM style. I forgot another mech game. Hmm? Metal Slugs. A little bit counts. A little I bit. guess I wouldn't really consider that like a mech game because you're it's a tank. I don't know if no, you get in the mech. You remember it shoots like this. Yeah, you're right. Like, there is mechs. Shoots. Okay. All right, you got me there. You got me there. Uh, the front mission games are like strategy RPGs, like XCOM is kind of where you move around the board, but you have you can. It's a team of mechs fighting other mechs. Mm-hmm. And so the first one I want to say was on Super Nintendo. The first two are on Super Nintendo. The third one was on PS One, but they've been like untouched. That's the property I think I told you about that like, Square Enix hasn't touched in like forever, and they're finally remaking all three of them and bringing them to the Switch. I think the first one comes out later this year. Second one comes out next year, and the third one, like, they don't have a release date for them. But as someone who's a fan of RPGs and mechs in general, like, combined, like, that's, like, a perfect marriage right there. So, I'm ex- those are the three, those are the games I'm excited for from this, from the presentation. Uh, more Splatoon stuff. I'm not a big Splatoon guy. Uh, they showed Octopath Traveler 2. I loved the first one. Never finished it, but I loved the first one. So, a lot of people are kind of upset with Nintendo because they just showed a lot of farm games and a lot of RPGs, basically. That was, like, what the drama was. They show this game called Fey Farm, which is like another like Harvest Moon, Animal Crossing style game. Uh, Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, which is like a musical Final Fantasy game where you, it's like Guitar Hero, where you just push the the button prompts in like in like melody with the music. Okay. Uh, they show more Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. That's like that that's that XCOM style game with Mario and the Rabbids from Rayman moving around. Uh, Rune Factory, which is another Harvest Moon style game. <laughs> A lot of farming games. Oh, and then a bunch of Nintendo 64 games are coming to Switch now. Mario Party 2, Mario Party 1 and 3. GoldenEye is coming to Switch. The original GoldenEye. Was it remastered? No, just straight. But they will have online functionality. I hear everybody hates it. Like, Resident Evil is coming to it. 
Everybody's been talking shit. Right? Yeah, something like that. They're bringing Pokemon Stadium, Johnny. Do you remember Pokemon Stadium? Do you remember that as a kid or not really? Not really. Uh, well, they're bringing Pokemon Stadium to it. They did, uh, to the Switch, so that's cool. Uh, Factorio, the game you talked about, it was shown here. I don't remember it, but it was. Oh, was it? Because I just saw it like an hour ago. Yeah, it says Factorio, the production line sim originally released in 2016 is coming to Nintendo Switch on October 28th. That was part of it. I don't remember it. Don't remember it. But it is. Uh, Mario Strikers got this game in the DLC. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting the Wave 3 of tracks. Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports is adding golf. Pikmin 4 got announced. That's a big deal for some people, not for me. And I know Johnny couldn't care less about Pikmin 4. Uh, Jess, Jess I Kings. used to be into it back in the day. Pikmin? Mm-hmm. Really? It was like a Northeast game. It is. That's also why I don't like it. <laughs> Managing those little like Pikmin and like, uh, that's. I don't. I don't like doing that. That just gives me anxiety. Uh, Just Dance 2023, Harvest Stella. This was the one they showed it like about a few months ago during the summer. Harvest Stella. Harvest Stella. Yeah, this is the Square Enix part farming, part dungeon crawling RPG. I still don't know if I like dungeon crawling, dude. I don't think I'm. I'm not surprised because that's definitely in line with your character. You don't care for like a fantasy medieval stuff so that surprised me is that all is that the it's always connected usually to not always usually usually i'd say like 80 percent of the time it is uh then they show more bayonetta 3 which comes out next month i wish i want to play the bayonetta games i want to play those because those, those look like they're like they're fun uh they showed resident evil village and resident evil 2 remake and resident evil 3 remake are going to be on the switch but through the cloud because there is no way that system can run those games off the actual hardware but you'll be able to play them through the cloud for some reason if you want to on Switch. Uh, Sifu, also similar treatment, coming to Switch. Uh, Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII. So this was a game that came out on the PSP over a decade ago. But it looks way better now. Like They're like remastering it, making everything look better. Uh, it's going to come to the Switch. Well, what is this? I get, I get the sense that it's not like a numbered game. It's not. Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, it's a spin-off of Final Fantasy VII. It's a, it's a prequel, actually, to Final Fantasy VII. And it's, like, multiplayer... No. It's a it's an action RPG, kind of, like, where you swing in real time and stuff. And... So it's the same same thing. It's just playing a game, just like Final Fantasy. There's no, like, gimmick to it or anything, right? There's, like, a slot reel thing in the top corner where, like, you perform certain actions and you'll trigger the slot... And then if you get, like, the slot, all the reels the same, like, it'll trigger, like, a powerful, like, special attack kind of thing. But other than that, not really. It's an action RPG prequel to Final Fantasy VII that explains, like, what happened to Cloud before Final Fantasy VII starts. And, like, his mentor. And there's more action to it? It's way more... It's... It's more action-y than the original Final Fantasy VII, but less action-y than the remake. Final Fantasy VII remake. Less action. Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. Because huh. this game came out a decade ago. Alright. So this was way before the remake, whatever it was ever made. So it's alright. It's it's I enjoy it. It's one of those games that like if you play Final Fantasy Seven, like it will like by the end you'll you might be shedding tears, which I did. Like no shame. But uh, uh Tales of Symphonia is being remastered, that's an old PS3 RPG. And oh Life is Strange is getting like a complete like bundle collection coming to Switch. It was just a bunch of remasters, really. It's a lot of remasters. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. It's a Switch remake of a, I believe, a Wii U game. 
I could be wrong. I think it's a port of a Wii U game. And that's about it, John. Oh, yeah, we talked about Zelda. Top. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Obviously, you don't have much to say because you're not that Nintendo guy. But, I mean, there's some stuff on there that I'm excited about. Mostly RPGs and Octopath Traveler and Front Mission. So, what were you going to say, John? You took a deep breath like you are going to say something. Yeah, I just wish I could play Nintendo again. But they're, they're not making games that I'm into, dude. Like, I want... It's because you care too much about visuals, Johnny. No, not necessarily. Like, I want my uh, snake right on roll. Is that a Nintendo-owned property? No, it's so. not. But why am I not seeing that? I want snake right on roll. Remember that old uh, Disneyland game? There's a Disneyland game now. Uh, With the haunted house, all that? No, it's not that. But Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the Disney uh, Ma- Magic Kingdom Adventures, whatever. Gradius. Everything that was on the SNES. Nintendo is not responsible for Gradius. That's Konami. <laughs> Well, then fuck you, Konami. You already know Konami's like really not. They're not. They're not trying that hard. But just this morning, as of recording this morning, they announced they're bringing a HD remaster of some of the best JRPGs, uh, Suikoden One and Two. Yeah, but people were expecting Metal Gear and Silent Hill. I think that's true. That's true. People were expecting that, and people will be disappointed to know because it's, not it's Konami. Yes, because it's Konami. I'm excited though because they're bringing Sequel One. It's okay, I played it, but Sequel Den Two is considered one of the best like JRPGs. Wait, of so time. you said you just said they're remastered? They are do yeah. They're building the game. They're built, like remastering the entire uh, Sequel Den One and Two, which were PS One RPGs. All right, but they're like modernizing the way they look. They look way cleaner, way sharper. And the second game is considered like one of the best RPGs of all time. What's an so. RPG that you know that I like? Are we, is it really just Mass Effect? And the thing is with Mass Effect that even though it it's technically a, it's is a hybrid, right? It's an, yeah, it's a hybrid. It's an RPG, but it's also not. But it is because you're making like game breaking decisions or like you're making like impactful story. It is an RPG in that sense where you yeah, and then you're leveling up and improving your stats. An RPG that you like, I really think you should give Final Fantasy VII a remake another try. I think you would really like that. Once you get Tifa in your party, I think you would really like it. That's a great point. Because she is fun to play as. Um, okay, I'll give it a try. It's, For I the think, third time. I think Yakuza, like a dragon you might be into, maybe. If you play with English audio. Because it's basically like a crime-driven like a drama. But it's turn-based. But it's like the story is very compelling. And the characters are very likable. And it's not like a, a fantasy setting. It's like very modern, like 90s Japan. So you might be into that because there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of like seedy stuff in there. But it's a turn-based RPG where like you level up and stuff. And you fight like thugs and random people in the street to like get stronger. And it's close contact, right? Hmm? It's like, it's not like You have fantasy. to go up to them to hit them, yes. All right, cool. It's not like you're just punching the air. No. It's not... <laughs> Because there are special moves where you really do have to, like, you have to be, like, within arm's length of somebody to pull it off. So I think you should give Yakuza... I have it... We share the account. You have access to it. Yakuza 7, like a dragon. I think you... I think if any of the modern RPGs you would like, it would be that one. Um, but anyways, Johnny, let's move on to the next section. This I, is... I wish... Another game I wish I could play, but I, I'm not... I, it's Personas. Persona... Oh, God. I wish you... Could, I wish you would be into Persona, but... I just knowing you, I know you're not gonna mesh well with it, cause it's a like team. So it was, so it was like a walk in the mud. 
a walk in the mud? You yeah, you're in the just mud? like, let me get to the fucking action scene. But that really isn't a thing with the Personas, right? Yeah, it's a turn-based RPGs. And the the most compelling part of the game isn't even like the, the combat. It's not even the gameplay. It's the bonds you build with the characters, the story itself, the just the everyday life stuff. Hmm. And I know that's not a Johnny kind of thing. No, it could be. It's just got to have some type of uh, it's cool mechanic. It's over 100 or... hours, Johnny. Mm. I would love for you to try, at least try it. At least give it. The thing is with that game is, you know, how most games you say, oh, just give it an hour. Like, no, like, that persona doesn't get good until after like seven hours. And I just don't see you brute forcing your way through it like that. Not for personas, no. I think at the seven hour mark is when I was like, oh, like, this is something special. Because before that, I was kind of just going through the motions. But. The seven hour mark out of a hundred plus hour game is still pretty good and early. You know what I'm saying? It's the equivalent of it's like if you try to sit through two movies and it's like, dude, I promise you the third movie is that where it's where it gets good. Like, not many people are willing to do that, right? True. Like no one's gonna watch like how many times have you heard about Breaking Bad? Like, dude, but once you get to the second season, like you got to sit through ten hours before you get to the second season. You know what I mean? Because the first season of Breaking Bad is just not that great. It's not. Yeah, I, I've just I've never spent time on something where it's like, oh, second season, third season, or fifth hour. No, nah, no. Nah. If a show has to wait for years to get good, like I'm not gonna bother, right? That's like season. We're talking about each year's a season. Like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. But like Breaking Bad, like just go off to, again off on tangent. Breaking Bad is considered like one of the most like seminal best TV series. And I agree. I think it is one of the best TV series I've ever seen. But it has a notoriously weak first season. Second season, things get really good. There's payoff for the stuff that happened in the first season where you finally get like, oh, the, finally we're getting to this part. But you have to sit through the first... You can't skip the first season either because you miss out on so much context of what who people are. Same thing with The Office. The Office, the first season of The Office is boring. You get to the second season, that's where it gets really funny. But to get to the second season, Johnny, you have to brute force through your way through 12 or so episodes of a... 30 minute show which is about five hours six hours maybe you know what i mean it's it it's like i wish i could recommend it but i just i just know you you know what i mean yeah like in my head i'm thinking personas is gonna feel like a, a soap opera mixed with it is. uno with what with uno no with uno <laughs> yeah because like the mechanics aren't there oh because you're just like to pull the next card like okay this instead of pulling the next card you're just selecting and it feels very shallow as far as the gameplay goes that's fair that's fair but you're not there for the gameplay for Persona. so the the soap opera definitely cool but as far as like the uno feel to it no because if it's just soap opera like well i'll just watch a youtube video i feel like that's less engaging though because you're not making decisions in a youtube video someone's making the decisions for you yeah, I, it cuts to the chase. I just get to the story. No, but it's okay. less engaging, but it flows a lot better. No, because okay, okay. Last thing, and then we're gonna move on. So in Persona Five, like you have a calendar format. You have a certain amount of days before the game is over. Each day, so there's this concept of like you have to pull off a heist. So there's like eight major heists in the game. Okay, there's like one per month on average. You have the game. Will t- they'll tell you, okay, hey, we need to do this heist by the second week. Like we have 15 days to pull off this heist. Okay, now you can spend those days in between however you want. 
But if you don't spend like a certain amount minimum on like leveling up and fighting and getting stronger, you will fail the the heist and then you have to pretty much start all over again from the one before that. So you have like 15 days. It's not always. It's, it changes. It varies. I usually, what I would do is I would spend the first three days, the first three days in game, just power leveling, grinding, grinding, grinding. Then I would have like 12 or 11 days or so where you can do all your social stuff, where you can work your after school job in the game, where you have to spend like, hey, like I can either hang out with this person and like improve my relationship with them, or I can hang out with this other person and improve my relationship. Or I can work on this hobby or going to the gym or doing something else that's going to improve my stats that will then be beneficial later on with certain characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this person will only talk to you if you're like this smart or whatever. So we're going to spend one afternoon at the library improving our like intellect. You know what I mean? So you are free to use your time within that time. It's a little redundant. You are free to use your free time before the heist however you want. You just have to make sure that you've leveled up your party so you're not going to get steamrolled by the dungeon. And at the same time, make sure that you're as like balanced in your everyday life within the game. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Those kind of things, I just watch it on YouTube, like it takes away so much agency from you that it just would not be the same experience. It's like playing The Sims in a way with good, RPG. It's a good pitch. It's just... I, I just have to turn it on. I'm gonna give it like half an hour. That's half it. an hour doesn't you even, have you don't half even an have, hour. I don't even think you even have control of your character in the first half hour. It's weird because the game starts off like after your fifth heist. You know, and then you, know you know that meme with the basketball player? He's like, What? That's exactly what I just thought of. Are you talking about the LeBron James one like this? No, he's like, What? Talking to the reporter? Oh, like we're like like he rolls his eyes and walks away kind of? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what are talking about? No. Anyways, that's my pitch for Persona Five. At least oh, you don't get to have... control him for. Oh, you don't have the game. Hour. I have the disc. I'll let you borrow it. I'll let you borrow it. Okay. All right. Let's. We gotta catch up. I'm sorry. Let me see. How are we doing on hard drive space? Okay, we're still good on hard drive space. Johnny, next portion right here. We have a litany. I think I'm using that word correctly. A litany of Assassin's Creed games coming out. This comes from Xbox News, written by Yusuf Magid. Over there at Ubisoft Forward, it says the future of Assassin's Creed. Join, tell me noise. The future of Assassin's Creed was revealed today. So this was September 10th. So not so not today. The future of Assassin's Creed was revealed today at Ubisoft Forward, and it all starts in 2023 with Assassin's Creed Mirage next year. Johnny, Assassin's Creed Mirage taking place in the 9th century Baghdad. So this is a hundred years after the original Assassin's Creed, which takes place during the uh, Third Crusade. So a hundred years after. In game, in world, 100 years after the first Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. Baghdad. All right. Assassin's Creed Mirage centers on the coming of age story of Basim ibn Ishaq, the hidden one introduced in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Two additional flagship Assassin's Creed games, Assassin's Creed Codename Red and Assassin's Creed Codename Hex, were also teased. With the former taking place in the long awaited city of feudal Japan, which we have been asking for a decade at this point. And both titles will be part of Assassin's Creed codename Infinity Hub. A shorter, more narrative-driven game than recent entries in the series, Assassin's Creed Mirage takes place 20 years before the events of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. As players meet a 17-year-old Basim, uh, it says now voiced by somebody else now, struggling with nightmarish visions and living life as a cunning street thief. 
Fortunately for Basim, the hidden ones, including his mentor, Roshan, uh, voiced by somebody else, see his potential and help him flee Baghdad to the hidden one's fortress of Alamut. As he learns their mysterious rituals and powerful tenets, he will hone his unique abilities, discover his true nature, and come to understand a new creed. One that will change his fate in ways he never could have imagined. Built as an homage to the first Assassin's Creed game, Mirage pays tribute to the series' roots as players join the proto-assassin order known as the Hidden Ones and grow to become a master assassin. Baghdad in the 9th century was a bustling metropolis and it serves as the perfect dense urban hunting ground as Basim stalks his prey using the series' large assortment of tools to date. While they haven't quite adopted the name Assassins at this point in history, make no mistake, the Hidden Ones are a powerful and established order with resources and the all-important creed to guide them. As Basim explores Baghdad, he'll be able to get contracts and upgrades from a network of Hidden One bureaus throughout the city, as well as collect clues on his targets and make take them down with swift assassinations. Of course, an assassin's greatest advantage comes from their climbing ability, and as the series return, okay, they're just telling me about what the combat is. Okay, here we go. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's, that's such a, it's ass twice. Assassin's Creed, codename Red, is being developed by Ubisoft Quebec, makers of the Odyssey and Syndicate games, with creative director Jonathan Dumont. The game will be set, will be the next evolution of Assassin's Creed open world RPG design to take players to the long-awaited setting of feudal Japan. Following that, Assassin's Creed codename Hex which is being developed by Ubisoft Montreal with Clint serving uh, So Hex is supposed to be a set, like, during the Witch Trials, I believe, which is a setting we haven't really explored, but it's not the Witch Trials you're thinking of, not the Salem ones. This is the ones in, uh, I think, uh, Bohemia or Germany. I'm trying to remember what is that area called. It's the where the Holy Roman Empire was, which is like Middle Europe, somewhere right there. Um and they kind of just talk a little bit about the hub for Infinity. So, Johnny, okay, so let me break it down for you because you probably just heard a bunch of names and you're like, what? Right? That's one of the problems. Well, I won't get into it now. <laughs> okay. Like everything, there's no co- 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 cohesion. Yeah. Jinx. All right. So, Assassin's Creed Mirage, the one comes out next year. Yes. That one is basically like the original AC games. The one that take like maybe like 13 for 15 hours. It's basically a homage to the original, the first Assassin's Creed game. Because people, the fan base is split because after, I want to say after Assassin's Creed Syndicate, they made the, the AC games way more RPG-ish. Yeah. Where it's open world and you're kind of just like doing whatever you want kind of thing with like with the insane like HUD, right? The mm-hmm. people make fun of the Ubisoft HUD. And so there's some fans who like the RPG-ish nature, and then some who prefer the skill-based of the original games, where, like, you didn't have to, like, grind. You just basically just got good, okay? Those games were shorter. Those were, like, the 15-hour, 20-hour-so games, right? So that's, like, your Black Flag. That's, like, your uh, uh, Brotherhood. Like, those games they took out, like, you could probably beat, like, in over a week. Red, Assassin's Creed Red is the uh is the jap japan the feudal japan one that one's gonna stay rpg i'm interested in that one that one's gonna be like open world rpg ish the original assassin's creed games were much more like you're confined to this section of the map until story allows you to progress to the next section the rpg ish ones like you can go wherever you want from the get-go but like you're gonna probably be under leveled for the area you get it 
So the Japanese one read feudal Japan. So this is like 1600s, probably earlier than that. Medieval Europe at the same time, basically, is what's going on. That one's going to be the open world RPG-ish one, like the last three games have been, like Valhalla, Odyssey, and Origins. Okay? Those, that red and Hex, Hex, which is like the the witch trial one, both of those are going to be a part of Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is going to be their live service game. So they're going to launch Assassin's Creed Infinity, right, as a separate thing. And then Red will be like, this is like the season or this is the thing that's in right now. Like that's the launcher for the game, basically. And then later on, Hex will be the next one that comes in. Mirage is a standalone OG-style Assassin's Creed game. Are you with me so far? Yep. Okay, that's it. What do you think about that, Johnny? You're not, I know you're not the biggest AC fan. Well, I'm excited for the Japan one. Okay. Because it's Japanese. Nothing to do with it being Assassin's Creed. Oh, okay. Just because of the location. That's like me with uh, Black Flag, where I'm like, Assassin's Creed Black Flag is a great pirate game. Not a great Assassin's Creed game. Hmm. That's how the same way we're like, I want to play as a pirate. That's what Black Flag is. Is you're just like shoot, sinking ships and fighting with swords and like you're living in a pirate style like game. Yeah. But it has but under the guise of Assassin's Creed, right? So that's kind of like what you're saying here with the Japanese one. Yeah. The story. There's like all these other characters. Like I just remember Ezio. That's it. Ezio. That's my boy. That's the Italian one. He's from the Italian Renaissance. Yeah. Everything else. And then after Valhalla, like my grade for this series has gone down. Well, I did. I didn't. Nothing play. else has come just... out since Valhalla. No, Valhalla's I know, last but, oh, okay. but it was—it just looked so unpolished, so yeah. glitchy. Yeah, it the was. The aesthetics weren't there. Like, the laziness, like, archers where they don't even have the thing in the back. <laughs> the the quiver? Yes, yeah. yeah, the quiver. <laughs> They're just pulling arrows out of their shirt, like, out of the... Out of the... It's like uh, it's like Snake, like, infinite ammo. Infinite ammo with the headband. Yeah. <laughs> infinite arrow. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I think I think they kind of realized, like, they, they needed that year break mm-hmm. to kind of, like, reassess, like, what they were doing because they were doing, like, these big open-world RPGs. And they're like, you know what? Like, we need to slow down. So them taking a year off um, last year, too, right? They, we didn't get an AC game last year either. We got Watch Dogs Legion instead. So last year we skipped Assassin's Creed. This year we're skipping Assassin's Creed. So they're finally kind of like, okay. But that's the trend with all the games. Like, Legion was glitchy as hell. It was. It was glitchy. The fucking mechanics don't work. The shooting doesn't feel fluid. Like, everything felt so premature in that game. The driving, right? These are facts, Johnny. These are facts. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Codename Red. That's the Japanese one. That one's the one I'm super excited for. I'm going to play Mirage, too, of course. I, I think Assassin's Creed is, like, one of the most important series innovative games because it's also the only one i feel that really exposes people to the larger world out there it's the only one that like allows you to explore all these different cultures all these different countries all these different things yeah you meet uh people like uh what's his name oh my god what's his name the guy that started like uh designing helicopters da vinci yeah da vinci you meet people like that into yeah da vinci uh machiavelli's into also Mm -hmm. uh it's just, and, and honestly, Assassin's Creed is what made me even want to pursue history, like, as a, as a degree. Like, I got my history degree because I was interested in, in, like, history from Assassin's Creed. So, it's a very deeply uh, important and personal series to me. So, I'm always going to, I'm always going to be there for Assassin's Creed just because it's, it's the only thing, do, it's the only game series that does what it does, basically. Even though how well it does it kind of varies from product to product, but... It, it's yeah Assassin's Creed is awesome even though they 
don't always stick the landing. Just the fact that they even try to do things, I I applaud that. So um, I'm looking forward to the only one I don't really know. Hex, like I I know there was witch trials in Salem here in like the U.S., but I didn't know there was any like in the Holy Roman Empire period, which is uh, post post uh, Ro- uh, Rome, but before like Middle Ages proper. You have this weird in-between period of between like the Dark Ages and like Rome. So the Holy Roman period kind of takes up that middle gap. And we don't really like learn about that stuff in high school because it's not relevant to us really. But that's like the time of like Charlemagne, the time of um, this is pre like William the Conqueror. So like this is like a part of history that we don't really get into that much because it's just there's not that many resources. But also it's just not relevant to us. So. I'm interested in learning more about this kind of stuff because this is the um, pre-Dark Ages, but post-Fall of Rome, Fall of the Roman Republic. So, or I'm sorry, Fall of the Roman, the Western part of the Roman Empire, the Eastern part lives on and becomes the, uh, um, begins with the B, Johnny. Byzantine. Thank you. That's the one. Byzant- yeah, the Byzantine uh, Empire. Anyways, so that's the state of Assassin's Creed right now, and yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. And then we have a little more, um, <clears throat> a little grimmer Assassin's Creed related information uh, topic to talk about, Johnny. This one comes from Kotaku, written by Ethan Gak. I think it's Gak. I've never gotten it right. I think it's Gak, but we're gonna go roll with that. It says Tencent bets two hundred ninety-seven million dollars on Assassin's Creed machine. What does that mean exactly, Johnny? We're going to read right now. It says, Tencent has dumped another small fortune into one of gaming's biggest companies. Ubisoft announced on Tuesday that the Chinese conglomerate would be increasing its investment in the Assassin's Creed maker by nearly $300 million through an elaborate set of financial maneuvers. Namely, rather than buy up shares of Ubisoft directly, Tencent is buying a 49.9% economic stake in Guillermo Brothers Limited, the chief investment vehicle through which Ubisoft's founders have managed their control of the French publisher over the years. This is oh hold on I got an annoying up block up. Go away ad. This is in addition to a four four point five percent stake it already had in Ubisoft. Tencent paid almost double what the shares are currently worth to make it happen. So that sounds like a very hostile takeover. We're like, you're not even paying market price. You're paying more than what's worth just to make sure you get it. Uh, the article goes on to say, despite now owning more of Ubisoft than the GMO family, who are the founders of Ubisoft. However, Tencent, which has been slowly buying up chunks of other studios and publishers across the video game industry, will only have 5% voting rights within the GMO Brothers Limited. The message Ubisoft CEO Yves GMO and the other founders want to send is clear. This isn't a takeover. Here are some other details of the new arrangement. It says uh, Tencent buys 49.9% uh, at roughly $80 a share. Tencent will provide additional money for the GMO family to refinance its debt and to acquire more equality, I'm sorry, more equity in Ubisoft. GMO Brothers Limited will remain exclusively controlled by the GMO family. It says Tencent and the GMO family will now control up to 29.9% of Ubisoft. Tencent can now buy up an additional 9.9% of Ubisoft shares directly. And Tencent cannot increase its stake for eight years. It cannot sell its shares for five years. And will give the GMO family first dibs if it does sell. So there's like a lot of rules into this like acquisition of these, of these uh, shares. 
Ubisoft's leadership remains unchanged and Tencent will not have any operational veto, veto rights. News of potential deal with Tencent was first reported by routers back in early August. And prior to that, there were reports of private equity being interested in potentially buying into Ubisoft as well. It all comes in the wake of major industry consolidation after Take-Two bought Zynga earlier this year and Microsoft attempts to get regulatory approval for the takeover of Activision Blizzard. It says, but Ubisoft's position is still unique. The company has been facing a litany of workplace complaints following a reckoning with reports of employee misconduct in the summer of 2020 and has struggled to find a new hit outside of the Assassin's Creed franchise amidst continual production delays and middling releases. In the wake of yet another disappointing financial quarter, CEO Eves Gamble also called on staff to cut expenses wherever possible in July. It says Tencent hasn't been faring too well either. Tens of billions in value have evaporated over the last year and it laid off thousands of employees for the first time in nearly a decade due to falling revenues. That's the part we're going to talk about in a little bit, Johnny. At least part of the problem comes from a failure to get licenses to release new games in China. The company's partnership with Ubisoft includes bringing PC versions of the publisher's biggest franchises to China, as well as helping release mobile adaptations. It says, uh, last part, recent turmoil hasn't slowed down Tencent. Tencent's continued spending spree in gaming, however. In addition to the Ubisoft deal, it announced a $260 million joint investment in Elden Ring Maker from Software with jo- well, Joni, with Sony just last week. That's on the back of a hunch of other recent investments in smaller companies like Life is Strange Maker Don't Nod. Whew, that was a mouthful, Johnny. Johnny, how do you feel of these growing? So we, we kind of talked about the good side about Ubisoft. Like, hey, more AC games. And it's like, oh, but more acquisitions, more consolidations, more money, honey, hands going to different honeypots. Well, for me, that's just another reason not to play Assassin's Creed. Okay, you were well, you were gonna play it before this anyway, so. No, unlikely, but it's just less likely now. Now it's even less less likely. Yeah. What do you think about this? So, so okay, so from what I understand, I'm like doing the pie chart in my head, right? So they already okay, so they already had a 4.5 percent stake in Ubisoft as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they have basically half, 49.9 percent of the biggest chunk of that pie so not the overall pie right the yeah. biggest slice of that pie they now have 45 they have 50 percent of that slice of pie so if you can imagine so let's say let's say that a third of that pie is like the gmo family right mm-hmm. they have a third of that pie right uh tencent now has half of that slice of pie so that's an even smaller slice right so they have that plus the additional 4.5 of the overall pie, okay? So if you were to do the math, that would roughly come out to, what's that of 29? Like 14, right? What's the question? I don't know. <laughs> what's the question? So they have probably a little bit less than 20% overall claim of Ubisoft at this point. A little less than 20, if I'm doing the math correctly in my head. Okay. Like 18.5 something something. So they have a huge chunk of Ubisoft, plus they have a huge chunk of From Software, the makers of Elden Ring. Like, they're just, they have their hands everywhere, Johnny, everywhere. What are your thoughts on this? Are you are you concerned yet? Are you worried about the... I've been concerned. I mean, they're going to buy a bunch of shit that I like. I don't care about Ubisoft, but I just don't like that fucking Tencent. It has their tentacles on everything. 
Are they like the modern day of like the? You ever seen the like the Rockefeller like comic thing with like the? It's like an octopus thing with like a. It has like its hands like in different like oil wells kind of. You ever seen that? A uh, standard oil. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Whereas the octopus, it has like standard oil written on its head, and like the tentacles are going to like different like oil wells, like with the little pipes. Is that what you're thinking? It's kind of like the modern day, well, at least the video game equivalent of that, I think. I have other thoughts. I just don't want to like voice them. Oh, off the record, Johnny. Uh, No, you'll probably understand what I'm getting at. Okay. so yeah, that's and then it t- they talked about the cuts, right? Which is gonna be relevant to the next story. Uh, let me jump to it real quick. Uh, Tencent, also from, also from Kotaku, written by Zach Zweizen. Tencent guts its gaming news news site firing staff without warning. It says here today layoffs hit the respected video game and entertainment website Fanbyte, with the site's editor in chief and head of media among the list of staff who are now out of work. According to Fanbyte employees, the layoffs were a total shock, with some reporting that they had just worked with some of the laid-off staff an hour before the sudden firings. The layoffs at Fanbyte are the latest bad news in what's been a horrible week in games media, as Future and G4TV also suffered layoffs. At around 12.45pm Eastern Time, the first indications of something amiss appeared on Twitter, Around this time, John Warren, the site's head of media, confirmed that he had been laid off from the site and that Danielle Reindeau, I can't pronounce it, it's like a French name, R-I-E-E-N-D-E-A-U, Reindeau, the site's editor-in-chief, confirmed she had also been let go. Since then, multiple members of Fanbyte have announced that the company has let them go. Others are waiting to find out if they will still have a job come tomorrow. Kotaku spoke to some Fanbyte staff about the layoffs and was told that, as of this moment, Nobody really knows how widespread they are. Multiple employees explain that management is contacting staffers one by one to deliver the news. As of 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, at least a half dozen had publicly announced that they no longer had a job. Based on conversations with Fanbyte employees, it's likely this number will continue to grow. Fanbyte launched in 2018, though it existed before that in a different form known as ZAM. The site and the ZAM network combined are a wholly owned subsidiary of Tencent Holdings Limited, aka, well, Tencent, aka that very large Chinese conglomerate that continues to buy up various studios, publishers, and more. Since its launch in 2018, Fanbyte strove to create interesting and unique content, including fantastic coverage of professional wrestling and ongoing coverage of popular MMOs and other live service games. So. It's funny how our stories lead to another. Like the Assassin's Creed leads into the Ubisoft, which leads into Tencent, which leads to this now. Like it's all connected. We have like three stories. Like it's like a, what do you call it? Like um, degrees of separation. You ever heard that? I've never used that term. Uh, it's like how far away are you removed from like a certain other person that you've met, kind of thing. Like there's this weird internet thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. How everybody is, I think, seven degrees of separation away from Kevin Bacon or Hitler. Huh? Or like this is like the Twitter challenge. Like you start here, and how many? Like what's how few articles can you get until you get to Hitler? Yes, exactly. But this is a more modern take on that kind of. Yeah, but for some reason, all actors are at least six degrees from Bacon or something like that from Kevin Bacon. I've never heard it like that, but yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but here it's like the three articles are just like anyway. So the point is. Um, uh, G4, like, they briefly mentioned it, but G4 also lost a huge 
portion of like their uh, talent. Uh, I believe their head, two or three of them I, I follow. Uh, not Frost. Frost stayed for some reason, but like uh, Danny. It sounds like you're upset with Frost. Like when I when I first. Well, no, but just because of, of all the controversy around her. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because when I first brought her up to you, you were kind of like on her side. oh well because yeah and now it's kind of like you're kind of looking at her in a different way because of all the trauma you've seen around well her. because like, of the it? okay so like i showed you before we started recording well, i didn't show you I, I told you right about mm-hmm. how like she's like like she put up the thing like i survived like mm-hmm. like it's just seemed like very like tasteless to be kind of like on twitter like hey like i'm gonna play some games and like the capture the picture is like a, a lizard with a crown and it says like i survived like like it just seems kind of like like read the room like this isn't the time to be like basically bragging that you still have a job when like the the majority of the people you work with have all like lost their job like everyone around you basically yeah so it just seemed like other people are calling that too like uh gene park over at the washington post he's like one of the big gaming guys at washington post he said like like that's just like really like like tasteless thing to say it's like flaunt that you're still like hired and stuff and does that add a little bit more context to what so back in the past why I said I'm not really feeling this this person? Mm, I mean, was she like that arrogant before? I don't know. Was she? I, well, the reason I wasn't why I was upset with her is because I I just thought she was making bad observations. Like when she would say like Sonya's dead, right? Oh, okay. Well, we'd have to go way back to that. I don't want to get delve back into that. Whole oh. Thing. But I'm just I'm just wondering why your impression changed. Oh, because that just seems like really bad character to be like that. To be like, oh, like I'm still here, like I'm left standing kind of thing. Like it's just like like that's not the time, not the same it's, day. It's sort of like it's like crash. your family and friends all have houses, and then there's a crash, and then they all lose their house, and you're kind of just standing there, like, well, I'm still sitting here in mine. Yeah, exactly. Like that wasn't the time, or it's just it's just the wrong move overall. But um. But it's interesting we've seen like all these firings and letting go also at like, Game Informer but also like Fanbyte and G5 like, all this going on at the same time and it's like it's just a reminder that like I think games media is just very very unstable as a career path I think the crocodile I, I feel like that's the crocodile from Donkey Kong is it? what crocodile? Uh, let me show you when did I mention a crocodile? oh when I said lizard? oh lizard uh no, it's like it looks like it looks like a Komodo dragon. It's a Komodo dragon, I think. But anyways, this is just a reminder of how like games media overall is just super unreliable. Like I don't know why there's with the crown. That's K rule, yeah. yeah. But that's not the li- that's not the one. No, she, mm-hmm. it's an actual picture of a Komodo dragon, an actual real lizard with a crown. Oh, because of the crown part. No, yeah. not King K. Crow. No, no, no. I mean, an actual regular real life lizard, Johnny, with a yeah, it's got with like a photoshopped crown on its head. This one. That's the one. There you go. Now you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see what she's trying to do. She because because it has the thug life glasses. Is that what those are? The pixel like sunglasses? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had a That's name. That's fucked up. I didn't know they had a name. The glasses. But yeah, the, the games media space in general. I think just games games and as an industry is like very very volatile and very uh i know like some of the people some of the friends who are who are aspiring journalists have said like like if i ever like one of them said if i ever actually get a, like a full-time job like i'm just gonna be looking over my back waiting for to get fired and like 
That's legit. I, I see the comments. Kind of rude to the people who didn't survive. No? Yeah, a bit. Oh, wait, what does it say? Yeah, a bit on the insensitive side. Mm-hmm. I got a fucking, like, dead pixels right in the center, so I'm, like, oh, the words trying are to cut fit off. in. Yeah, trying yeah. to fit in the... But anyways, it sucks for those people to get to lose their jobs. And, like, a lot of people would love to have that kind of job, right? Where you just, like, talk about video games, write about video games. But mm-hmm. um, it's, in the end, it comes down to the bean counters, the people on top. It's like, hey, you're not, we're not getting as much traffic as we want to our websites. And we're not getting as much page views and clicks. And that's kind of just the nature of, uh, of what, like, you know, that revenue model is. Where you're just trying to get exposure to clicks and ad advertisement right and if you can't you know make it and it's also on the companies too to like impose because i think both i don't know about g4 but i know fanbyte has a had a steady growing like audience like in terms of like clicks and something they were doing okay but i think what they wanted the shareholders wanted was like exponential growth and it was just like a little bit of growth it wasn't even negative it was just a little less growth than what they wanted and that was like enough reason for them to be like fire everybody so from what I understand, the people who did stay at Fanbyte are the people in charge of like the guides section. So like your walkthroughs and your guides for games, because that's like where a lot of the money is. Because people look for that stuff, the SEO, the search engine optimization. Like people look for how to beat this, how to get this, how long is this, like that kind of stuff. Those people are staying, but the people who are writing like critical pieces, like oh a review of this, or like this is what happened with this game company. Like those are the ones who be let go. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty much just farming clicks for people looking for specific information or guides information at this point. So it sucks, but that's, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say people deserve that because they don't, but um, I'll be wary of Tencent, of working in Tenc- with Tencent within any capacity. But you're still buying assassins. Yes, Johnny, yes. Okay. Yes. They have no voting rights, okay? They have no voting or oversight on like decisions, so. If one day that changes and it's like we own more than 50% of Ubisoft and like now we're going to make these changes and stuff, then then I probably would have to reevaluate my relationship with the franchise. Make sense? Or you could reevaluate now right at the time that they bought them to say like, hey, do not proceed. You could do that. Well, they can't buy any shares for I think like five more years. They said that was the thing. That was like one of the things Like you can't buy. Like that's it. Like you have this and then you have a freeze for the next few years. So... Maybe we can still get three or four good AC games in that point, at in that time. Johnny, let's move on. We have still two more stories before we finish. You feeling good? You're, you're good? You're rested? You're uh, energized? You're lucid? What's coming up? We have two stories. The next one is, uh, this is the one we're talking about, the AI, the artificial intelligence stuff, Johnny. So this story comes from GameSpot, written by Grace Spitfall. If you guys can't tell, we're trying to make up for lost time. We're covering a lot of stuff we've left off in the last three weeks. Uh, head of Xbox Game Studios wants artificial intelligence for quality assurance testing. Matt Booty emphasized the potential time-saving power of such technology. Johnny, could you imagine living your life with that name? Matt Booty? No, just the booty part. Uh, I can't imagine high school. Mad Booty? No, Matt. Like, that guy's got mad booty. Matt. Yeah. Like Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just making sure. At a Q&A during PAX West Game... Ex- I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. At a Q&A during PAX West, Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty expressed a desire to bring AI tech to Johnny. <laughs> He's making me laugh. <laughs> Come on, Johnny. We're, we're, we're 
like 30 year old man you should be able to live this is like elementary like level jokes anyways Matt Booty expressed a desire to bring AI technology to Q&A and testing in video games. As spotted by VGC, Booty said that he had asked AI researchers to develop a system that could test games. Booty emphasized how difficult and multifaceted game development can be, so that adding small features can have long-reaching effects. He said, quote, a game can be ready to ship and a designer is like, I've got this one little feature, I'm just going to change the color on this one thing and then it somehow blows up something and now the first 10 minutes of the game doesn't play, end quote. These knock-on effects ensure that the entire game must be thoroughly tested with every new addition. That testing costs plenty of time and manpower. In theory, AI might be able to pick up some of the difficulties there, enabling developers to complete more testing faster. Booty speculated, quote, I would love to be able to start up 10,000 instances of a game in the cloud. So there's 10,000 copies of the game running. Deploy an AI bot to spend all night testing that game. Then in the morning, we get a report, end quote. Thereby, thousands of hours of work could be completed overnight. Whether such testing would work as envisioned or how much human assistance such an AI would need is still pure speculation. The scale of games has gotten larger over the last couple of generations. In the same Q&A, Matt Booty pointed out that multiple game studios working on a single game is a new normal rather than a cause for concern. Johnny, I feel like that's like the dream of every entrepreneur, no? It's like how to get, squeeze out more work in less time, right? That seems like to be the common thing. And now we're starting to see like the transition, the pivoting of like AI stuff. Like, uh, for example, have you seen on online like that, that instance of people being like how like, uh, there's that, what's that one website where you type in something and it instantly generates a picture of that thing? Have you seen that? Yeah, I've used. I saw my favorite one so far has been uh, someone typed in, they showed like picture of like a uh, mosh pit at a daycare, and it's like all these pictures of all these like drunk toddlers on top of each other. I've got to look this one. Up. It's hilarious. But it's like it's like it's like AI generated imagery of like babies like together like partying but like falling over like like laying down on top of each other and it's like and it says like uh daycare mosh pit or something like that or mosh pit at a daycare and so like it's crazy like how like ai is able to come up with like all these weird type of like things that they shouldn't normally be able to do you know what i mean johnny's looking it up right now that's why he's not i thought it was gonna be more cartoonish no yeah yeah it looks pretty like legit right I mean, well, the well, the rendering is great. Like all the yeah. kids look proportionally; they look right. I mean, you don't see faces, right? Because they can't do faces like exactly. That's the thing. A lot, a lot of the images have the back heads of the, the back children. Of the, like, if, <laughs> it'd be amazing if the AI could be like, "This kid's gonna look like he's losing his fucking mind." <laughs> this other kid over here is gonna be look like he's in terror right being pummeled by the other kid but it doesn't have that yeah it's just a bunch of like just faceless kids like falling on like stacked on top of each other yeah some kids are look like they're uh referees or something (laughs) they're like holding two kids back (laughs) oh it's insane right because i I did something similar Uh, where i put i I wish it was more like a little kid with it i thought it was gonna be like a little kid with a chair Throwing it across the room. No, I mean, not exactly like that. But right. It's just like a bunch of kids just on top of each other. Look at this one. They're all like picketing with their fists up. 
But um, anyways, back on topic, Johnny. The idea of AI now, like, I think when we, I think you look at to people like in the fifties, right? When they thought of like the future, they thought they would have flying cars, like all this free time, right? They thought like machines would be doing all the menial manual labor, right? Mm-hmm. But now we have like now they're trying to get AI to do like creative things, not even just like pick up a rock and put the rock over there. I mean, like they want the AI. What you've heard right about how AI like. They've gotten music down to a science to where an AI can create like an original beat that actually sounds good. Mm-hmm. We have AI making images, right? Pulling from other art, making its own art. Whether it's its own art is subjective, right? Like you know, some would just some people wouldn't call it art, but you know, that's a, that's a different topic for another day. But now, like to get AI to do like what's considered the like the most bottom rung on the game development ladder, or like is Q and A testing, quality assurance testing. And now it's like you're creating all these, like you're you're solving all these problems, right? You're solving these problems, but you're creating a new problem where, like now, like like we don't. If you can do t- ten thousand instances, like that's like ten. I'm assuming more than ten thousand man hours overnight. Like, where did those people go? Like, that's just they're just cut they off. Some, right? No, they do something else. That's I know, necessary. What do you mean? They just get shifted over. I know, but we've been seeing this with, like, a lot of things. For example, for, like, not just in the creative spaces, but, like, you have all these machines. Like, uh, the self-checkout kiosk at the grocery store. I hate those. Why do you hate those? I just like seeing the person. Oh, okay. Like, uh, Fresh and Easy used to have that 10 years ago. And I would only see two people. And I stopped going because of that reason. Just um, because I wanted somebody doing the thing. Like, just they greeting ha- me. Like, hey, how you doing? Whatever. They have those... Uh, I forgot if it was... I forgot if it was Saudi Arabia or Japan where they're doing now the gas stations where like you don't even see anybody. It's all just like self. Like there's no store. That's yeah. the store part of the gas station. It's just the card reader and the gas pump. But like back to the fresh and easy thing, there, there'd be only two people. And then sometimes there was an issue with something in the store and there was nobody I could go to. It was just them two. And I got to the point where it's like, well, I don't want to bother them. It's only them. You know? mm. So I stopped going to that store. I see. Okay. But, like, in Japan, they're also doing the thing now where they're, like, testing out, rolling out these, uh, like, grocery stores where you go in with, like, your ID, your card. Like, you know how you go to the bank, you have to use your card to open the door when they're, like, outside of business hours, right? Mm-hmm. You scan your card and the door unlocks. Mm-hmm. They have these grocery stores now where, like, every item has, like a, like, a code or whatever. And, like, you do the self-checkout thing. You go in the store, you do the self-checkout thing, and then when you leave, like, it checks again to make sure that, like... All the items that are so each of the product has like a little like chip on it. Each product. Yeah, Amazon was doing this. Yeah, Amazon too. That's right. So like, all these things are being like super like they're being they're, the Tesla with the driverless cars. Like, bad idea. But like the fact that all of this stuff is just being like automated, just quickly automated to like replace the human factor. Like, I think people in the fifties probably thought like, oh, we're gonna have so much extra time to just do leisurely stuff. But like the reality is like those profits are still going to like the same companies so they're not like it's not like it's being offset as like a ubi for the workers or whatever like they just have to go hopefully find a new line of work keep finding new lines of work or new opportunities and stuff and it's like i don't know what's what, what, what wrong you, with that okay well, okay what do you think is not wrong with that then let me ask you that then finding a new line of work yes well i mean back when i was doing architecture i would adapt right like I started as a drafter and then there was not mechanical work, but I was doing, say, cell sites, cell towers. Right. But the same uh, tools that I had, I would just shift it over to architecture. 
and then from architecture i started doing graphic arts like it just slowly just shifts and, I, and you just pivot then yeah i just pivot okay and if there's like labor that's horrendous what, what do you mean why could they not sh- shift over to something that's a little bit easier you mean horrendous like um i'm just talking about like regular like clerk or clerk maybe shit. not horrendous like okay. uh drivers for trailers right like i don't know if this is really a good idea but if the if um if 18 wheelers are automated it means there's less people behind the wheel that have to drive when they're fucking tired right true mm-hmm. so also i guess that would be hopefully cheaper groceries in the long run or something maybe yeah, that's. I don't know. It's pros and cons. Dude. I, I don't like. I don't like that Teslas are driving on their own. They they like they don't have the tech right. Mm-hmm. But Cause don't they have like quite accidents sometimes? I heard right. They crash into like stuff. I don't know. I think that has more to do with the batteries. But no, I'm not. Just, I'm not talking about them going out in flames. I'm talking about like they actually like hit other cars or people sometimes. Yeah, they do hit people sometimes, but they haven't gone full fledged like. Like, you still got to keep your your hands on the steering wheel. Oh, okay. So it's not like you could just sit in the it's back. like cruise control, yeah. kind of. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know, dude. I just don't... It feels dystopian. It does, because now it's like you have to... I mean, usually when you, like... Like, I, I started with, like, why is it wrong? But obviously, some things do feel dystopian where they take... It's not just, like, they're making things easier. It's they're taking things away from you. Exactly. Like... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, because you it's would a think because you would think it would, that would offset like oh now there's this line of people now who either a have the option not to create to pursue more creative endeavors but if you're not creative then like what do you like you have to find another means of like manual work in some kind of capacity and then I'm just thinking like will it ever reach an equilibrium or like a non-equilibrium where there's more people than there is jobs to go around. You know well, it mean? depends on the industry. I think for a creative industry like video games, I think it's awesome. Like, well, we'll go back to it right now, but because it's it's a theme like in a lot of stuff, like Top Gun Maverick, like spoilers, like starts off with that question right in the beginning of the movie, right? With the when the Colonel Hammer, or whatever, talking about like how in the future, like we won't need pilot. Like, he tells Maverick, we won't need pilots like you. Like it's gonna be drones and AI, like you know, used right. And then like, um, what's the other movie? Uh, stealth that Jamie Foxx movie I don't know if you ever saw it where it's the same thing where it's like hey like why are we going to use con- human pilots like when we can avoid telling their loved ones like oh we lost you know so and so is dead like we can just have a robot do everything right and it's like combat roles we see that with the military with those like robot dogs and like these exo art like all these different things that like where we want like machines to like do everything but then like no one's like subsidizing the person replaced you know what I mean it's like you said it's like just kind of dystopian kind of i think it depends on the industry unless everybody becomes like computer software engineers and becomes like full stack developers and machinery like you know what i mean like unless that's like what everybody has to pivot as a society so the industry and the rate of change as well mm-hmm. so if you're like young and then you decide you have to pivot but then by the time you make that pivot somebody else has came up with automation to that thing that you were gonna do yeah within a year that's like a little too soon right mm-hmm. but if it's gonna take i don't know five years maybe 10 years it's that's plenty of time for you to decide like okay i'm gonna take things in this direction like look at what happened to all like the blockbusters like our video store right like yeah you don't need those anymore because everything's just streaming digitally so but do you not think that's kind of better in a way yeah but at the same time like there's movies 
that we had that like aren't on Netflix or aren't on HBO Max, like older movies that like you can just rent out physically. So there's cons and pros. I think you you do lose some of it. And also the whole like, you know, what was the uh, the you will owe nothing, right, and be happy kind of thing. Yeah, like I try to avoid that shit on the podcast, but yeah, it's like a double-edged sword. Like world it's like a double-edged sword. Like you solve one problem and then you create another problem. I think. No, that I think that's different though. That shit like just sounds straight nefarious, authoritarian to me. Solving one problem and introducing no. Another? If you're talking about the World Economic Forum shit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but we're talking about automation. Yes. Uh. AI specifically. Yeah. Okay, so they talk they talk about video games getting more expensive, right? And I always feel like, nah, I don't think it'll it'll get to the point where we can't fucking make the games because of the price. Because if we have AI, you could take like you have a designer that builds, let's say, a house for Uncharted, and then and then the AI says like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna take this design like auto populates, right? Yes, just auto populate this shit. Like take this concept. And then just put it into the computer and, and then give it the four walls and give it the foliage. And then and there's then, probably like an algorithm to not make it look like it's made by a computer, right? To make it more random, I guess you could say. Well, right? if it creates the, mo- the model in 3D space, then the artist can come back and be like, there's way too many bushes here. Like, okay. reduce it by 5%. Yeah. Or I'm just going to come in here and manually add these these doors here or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Basically, just do the busy work and then let me do the fine-tuning kind of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah, I guess that could work. I guess, I mean, yeah, you would have to keep somebody at the wheel, right? Like like we said with the cars, right? Like maybe you're not driving it, but you do have to have your hands on the wheel. You have to be present, right? To like correct, right? Because we're not there where like it's machine perfect, right? There's still like growing pains in like someone has to be, it's kind of like the episode of The Simpsons they were seeing where like they uh, replace all the workers with robots, but they keep Homer around because they need legally they need somebody there to do jobs that are so insignificant they're not worth a robot's time. <laughs> <laughs> so they keep Homer, and Homer kind of just goes around and just makes sure that the robots aren't like breaking down. Like that's really his job is just to walk around and just like make sure like they're like on the right computer or whatever. So like you always need some kind of man- managerial overhead of the process, I guess. But there's all that's like a very small position, like one, two people kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but your concern is that it's displacing people? Yes. I get that. It's it's hard to argue that. That's why like if you go to Mexico or like certain you know in certain states you can't pump your own gas? Did you know that? I've heard of that. And Mexico too, like they cause they that's a like protected job that they want. So like like that person who pumps gas like has a position pretty much. It's weird. But see, in the States, we don't have that. We used to have that. No, I told you, some of the states, I forgot which state, here in the United States, where, like, you have to, like, you cannot pump your gas. They have to do it for you. Yeah, but in the States, like, we go to the gas station, it's like, yeah, cool, whatever, I'll pump my own shit. But in Mexico, if you propose that to them, they'd probably be like, fuck, no, like, this is my... Livelihood. This is my livelihood. How could you do this shit? But over here, it's just like, whatever, right? Like, Yeah. I don't feel like we need a fucking person at the pump to do that. Yeah, and I guess we don't really, well, I don't know, we don't, society doesn't need quality assurance testers, I mean, for video games, it's not a, it's a luxury thing, right, but still, I think it's kind of sad that, uh, I mean, we're not there yet, uh, sorry, Mr. Booty, we're not there yet quite, but, like, he, this is the kind of thinking that people who are at the top, though, have, kind of, we're like, like, man, I wish we could do this thing easier, because it would also just 
make the whole process cheaper and like cut off like the man factor. And that's kind of sad. I don't know if you ever seen the Twilight Zone episode about this, where like the factory workers are again replaced by machines, and like the guy on top. Eventually, the guy on top is replaced by a machine. It's like a robot with a monocle and like a like a pocket watch. Never seen that. One. No, that's a really good uh, Twilight Zone episode. But like the guy on top, he never worried about like the the workers becoming redundant. He just he just cared about better profits by like cutting out like humans better profits until eventually he's also replaced with a robot because the the shareholders decided that a robot manager was better than a human manager because he co- he was costing them so much. So that's kind of like the oh so they came after so and so but I didn't speak out like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a we live in a very like dog eat dog kind of world. That's just kind of how it is. Well, it's true. I know. I'm just saying. It's just. It's just I guess I don't think about it too much unless it's presented to me right in my face, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny's like, I, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've, I've already... No, we've just gone too long on this topic. Oh, right? I thought, like, I've already, like, used all the dialogue options, and now it's just the, <laughs> you know, the dialogue tree, like, being, like, it's all, like, not highlighted anymore. Like, they're all grayed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the options are grayed out. Like, you're just to your, your, uh, your initial greeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last story, John. Last one, I promise. Oh, it's not me. I keep going. It's just I try to not waste the audience's time. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we're not trying to. We're just accidentally doing it. Uh, This story, Lifestyle, written by Zarmina Khan. That's such a cool name. I like that. I like like how it flows, Zarmina Khan. Zarmina Khan? Zarmina. Z-A-R-M-E-N-A. Zarmina Khan. Kojima teasing something with silhouette of actress Elle Fanning. What could this be, Johnny? A new Kojima game is possibly being teased by none other than the maestro himself. Earlier official webpage that simply features a silhouette along with the Kojima. The webpage was later shared by Jeff Keighley, indicating that an announcement will be made during Tokyo Game Show 2022. However, Kojima has a history of trolling fans, so we can't say if this is an alternate reality game leading to an announcement of a new project or something else entirely. It didn't take long for fans to figure out that the silhouette is of actress Elle Fanny. Interestingly, both Kojima and Fanny seem to follow each other on social media. Curious, but things get even more interesting here. The official Twitter account of Kojima Productions tweeted earlier that while it'll have a physical booth and merchandising area with some VR stuff on display at the Tokyo Game Show, it won't be showing off any video games at the event. Quote, No game titles will be displayed at TGS, the tweet reads leading to fans speculating that Kojima might announce something but won't showcase it just yet. Kojima has been rumored to be working on a number of projects of various scales, including an Xbox game. There are also reports that he's working on a game code named Overdose, which prompted Kojima Productions to reach out to a leaker, Tom Henderson, to request him to take down his original report. Whatever the case, we'll find out in due course. There you go. Johnny... What do you think Elle Fanning, the younger sister of Dakota Fanning, could have anything to do with Kojima? It's, it's, I'm going to ask Wait, right now. Yeah, is, phrase that again? It's like, what do you think... Yeah, I think I said it weird. What do you think Elle Fanning could be linked to with Kojima? I'm tr- I think my immediate thought is, is there anybody who she could play as in a sequel to Death Stranding? Um, in a sequel? Yeah. Could she be somebody in Death Stranding or like in some game related to Death Stranding? All right. Well, Norman Reedus already spoiled that there's going to be 
Death Stranding Part 2. So yeah. you'd assume... Is that, that picture of, like, Kojima pretending to... Yeah, play. and then Kojima's, like... We're just playing. Reprimanding him. Yeah. Uh, so you assume that that's going to come out first. Or it could be this other game that supposedly he's developing for Xbox exclusive. But it was only, like, a, a letter <laughs> of intent, right? Right. So, yeah, that's going to come out second, I'm assuming. As far as fanning, tied to Death Stranding, I, I don't see it, dude. I'm not saying it's not possible, I mean, that, but I can't make a connection. At, at, the, at the risk of profiling, she does look like somebody who would be related to like that fragile chick or like... Um... Yeah, but there's no nothing in the story that says I have a daughter mm. or a cousin or anything like that. Oh, okay. So there's no like there's no obvious connections, we're saying. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just think of how you mentioned a while back how you wanted to get into movies. I was going to bring that up, too. Okay. Like, it could be one of those projects. But I feel like he he should have announced that by now. Hmm. Like, maybe there, there could have been a Kojima partnering up with Netflix. I think oh. that would have came out first instead of just some tweet. You know? Mm. I would prefer to, yeah. Or I would rather have Kojima work with HBO, I think. But, um. Netflix, yeah. I mean, that's the obvious one. That's like the mainstream one, so that makes sense. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like maybe this. Maybe that's why there's nothing to show at TGS because it's not a game. It has to do with like is like movie, you know, side projects, production, whatever you want to call it. So mm-hmm. maybe it could be like a VR because I think they are showing like, v, like I mentioned they are showing like a VR headsets. Like maybe it's a VR movie experience kind of thing or something. Could be. Yeah. What it, do, wouldn't it be the first one? What do you feel about... That's uh, a tangent. But what do you feel about celebrities kind of getting more and more into video games? I'm not really down for it. I, I, it depends on the celebrity. I know, like, we have Norman Reedus. We have Mads Mikkelsen, which is like one of the great actors, I think, with uh, Death Stranding, right? He's like the antagonist, I think, or something. Um, I forgot. I had Death Stranding downloaded on my PS5. I want to play it sometime. I, I, so many games I want to play. Anyways, but... Um, we've seen that happen before it's not a new thing like we had uh ed harris is in one of the call of duty games uh i forget his name the guy who plays Jon snow in game of thrones is one of the villains in call of duty infinite warfare uh it's it's not a new thing there's always been celebrities in the games i do know like uh oh we didn't even talk about it but how like Lil nas x is like the he's like the uh ambassador for league of legends this coming week like He's debuting a new song at, at like a League of Legends like tournament. I don't like it. I I mean part of part of the reason is when I first got a bad taste of this is when Kojima did Metal Gear Part Five, and then uh, what's his name from Twenty Four? Oh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, Kiefer. Like he barely said anything. Like I know the game was unpolished, but you'd expect a lot more coming out of Snake when Kiefer is on it, right? And sort of, I mean, I definitely miss David Hayter in the role. Yeah, yeah. David Hayter was was amazing, and it's like these actors are like top and top and act- actors are getting paid like twenty mil, thirty mil, right. whatever, right? Right. So I don't think they're gonna expect any less just because they're on a video game, right? Unless it's- I don't know, they might. I have to imagine that goes to their agent, and they must be like. I don't know what the amount of work for a movie looks like compared to the amount of work for like acting in a game. Other than well, like, they're still with, doing like, mocap. The, yeah, mocap suits and. Well, a top end game 
is going to be using mocap. Like, are you going to have a trailer? Like, are you going to have like you know like the amenities of like a movie production kind of production kind of thing? I don't know what that looks like exactly. Well, yeah. To me, the question is: Are they going to be asking for the same amount of money when it comes to video games as film? I imagine that depends. Why why would I want a game to spend like thirty mil? That should just go to the budget to the rest of the developers i think i think that depends on the amount of work they put in like like timetable wise like how many days you have to be on location for the mocap compared to like there's so many factors it would be so hard to determine like a video game is i mean i think it's probably a bigger endeavor like there, it maybe, takes all these years but also to, you have to remember with movies they do like reshoots they have to come back and like change things and i don't know how often they do that for games where they do reshoots for mocap and like it's just I just don't feel like the cost is worth it. It's not like it's not like I was uh, apples to oranges, there you go. I mean sure there's things that carry over performance wise, but like the union con- like sag after and like the contraction like all that all contracts, like all that stuff, I don't know what that looks like. So I can't even say That's true. I'm just I'm totally making assumptions. Okay. But uh I mean sometimes it works. Like Death Stranding has a dope ass cast. Would Death Stranding have been the same for you if it didn't have Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen in it, or and Guillermo del Toro and like all those like? Wasn't Le- Leah Sadu is fr- the fragile chick, right? Leah Sadu. Right? Yeah, she was great. So like, would that game have hit for you if it wasn't for those actors? Do you think? Yes. You think it still would have been great? Easily, yes. Okay. Like, although I love their performances, yeah, because, dude, I I identified like late like Nathan Drake. He's a real person to me. Like, he has a great voice actor, and that's what, like, he uh, makes the character come across. Uh, Nolan North, yeah. That, yeah, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. But Drake is pretty much a real character. Like, Aloy is amazing. She has her own character because of the actress that, that plays her, right? Ashley Birch, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know what bringing Hollywood actors brings to gaming that they can't do with um, people that aren't as popular i think i think it's two things i think one is that you're obviously a headliner you're adding you know you're bringing popularity you're bringing attention to the thing you're doing right mm-hmm. that's the first thing i think secondarily i think it's that there's this thing where going on right now with the games industry where they're trying to position themselves as a legit like art media form that's always been an issue like gaming has always been like trying to kiss hollywood's ass yes yes i do think that's part i think that's the second thing i think it's i think that is a huge part of it yeah i think that's part of kind of just bringing the prestige of like this person's attached to this like like i mean what's his name norman Reedus isn't like the greatest actor but he has a lot of like social like currency because people love him in walking dead and boondock saints and like like he's i don't think he's ever won like any prestigious awards but he people know who he is right so like that's part of it uh the little nas x thing collaboration with league of legends like sometimes the people that are involved are fans like uh what's his name um ice t he's in one of the gears of war games i forgot which one mm-hmm. but he's a huge fan he was a huge fan of the franchise and like he like i think he actually reached out to uh cliff blazinski who's the creator of gears of war and asked like if he could be involved and like oh yeah for sure like so like they made a character for him and stuff like that. So sometimes it really is just like, oh, we want this big name person, and then otherwise, other times it's the reverse where the person, the celebrity in question, wants to be part of the thing. The other question, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's totally fine. But is it also going to be a matter of like, uh, there's a franchise you love, right? 
and then an actor comes into it, will that actor have more leverage on that game? That's a good question. So you, that would depend. Like for example, um, take it in a direction where you're like, this is reflecting more of what his thing is instead of what we like this game. Well, that would depend because I'm thinking of like remember Beyond Two Souls has Willem Dafoe and back uh, Elliot Page back when uh, yeah. they weren't they weren't Elliot Page and oh shit you fucked up no I didn't I, I was very careful and so I th- I I think there's like an interview with Willem Dafoe where he kind of talks about it and like how like they would ask him like like oh like what do you think about this. But it wasn't like he was the one leading. He was just the one putting his input when when prompted. So I don't know for sure how those... Like I hear the dogs barking in the background. But I don't know for sure how that works out. I, I I don't know. I guess it would depend on the studio, like whether they're willing to be like kind of like not bullied, but like kind of like, like oh, we're going to do this. And like, ah, nah, how about... I think it would be better if my character did this thing. And it's like, I, I imagine it's... A, varies from production to production but i i can't imagine in a professional setting many actors or you think because they feel like they're coming down from like where they're like to like this to games and like oh like i should have like more leverage is that what you're saying like that well because their names carry a lot of weight yeah okay so of course it would have leverage i don't know i if that does happen i would i would have an idea i like the complaints like Obviously, people are like, this isn't a big fucking deal. But to me, it is. Uh, the God Butcher. They got a great fucking actor. But he said, like, whoa, I don't want to look like the God Butcher where he's wearing the fucking bikini. And For all context, that. Johnny's talking about Thor Love and Thunder. He's talking about Christian Bale's character. Yeah, and Christian Bale was like, well, I don't fit into that costume. So we're going to make the character look different than the original. That was because of the the, the weight of his... I just like the Lord Voldemort look-alike face thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was that really him, or was that the? I think that was Taika who said that. No, I'm pretty sure I saw him in an interview, interview saying, saying like, "Yeah, I wouldn't fit into that." Oh no, no, no. I'm talking about like the way his face looked, though. That was Taika saying. Like, yeah, that was oh, Taika. He looks too similar to Voldemort with the flat face, and... but also his aesthetic. Oh, okay. Like he was saying, like, oh, "I wouldn't fit." Oh, into with a loincloth. And right? Christian Bale is not buff either. With the loincloth, yeah, exactly. Right? I remember now. Yeah. But maybe a different uh, character that didn't have as much weight would be like, "Fuck it, I'm down to wear that shit because I'm it's down. accurate to to his character." And also, they would have found the person that's muscular you know right so that's an example of the name carrying that much weight where you're like i'm just gonna change the original character right i, I can see that that's a that's a movie production i don't know like he's he works i mean christian's bail name does carry like weight in hollywood yeah but if, yeah that's a movie production but obviously his mindset would go to a different place whatever wherever he goes it would carry over <sighs> Doesn't make sense. I do. I, I I I get what you're saying. I do think. Let me let me just simplify, simplify what I'm trying to say. I agree. I do think they don't need to rely or lean so much on celebrities from like music or other forms of media who they think is gonna bring prestige to their product. I think you're right. I don't think they should have to do that. There is plenty of people within the game space who can already do that on their own. You have your Troy Bakers, your Nolan Norris, exactly, your yes. your Kojima's, your. Uh, there's other names I can't off the top of my head I'm trying to think of but like all these uh, which you would call alters basically alters like Kojima's an alter someone who's like because of their name being attached to something has more prestige right there's plenty of people in that David Hayter I would argue probably uh, especially on the Japanese side you have uh, uh, Miyamoto 
you have all these people who can already do that within the game space. So I think you're right. They don't need to bring in outside uh, prestige. That said, I understand game development is very difficult. It's very hard. There's no guarantees that your product, your game is going to make back money all the time, especially if you're a smaller studio. Kojima was just getting... Remember, he couldn't even get a bank loan easily because he wasn't attached to Konami anymore. Even though he was Kojima, he is Kojima. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that whole... He, was, he has that whole anecdote about how, like, he talked to the banker, the loan the loan, the loan, loan banker, and he's like, oh, yeah, I love your games, but yeah, I'm sorry, I can't give you the, the loan. Like, you're like, there's no, like, history or credit history on your own kind of thing, even though, like, people know he was good for it, right? But, like on paper he's not good for it you know so it's a separate thing so i understand you're gonna do whatever you can to bring as much advertising eyes or whatever you want to call it to your product so i understand as gamers why we're kind of like ugh, we don't need that maybe go ahead continue maybe i think you and i as like as people who consume games we do think like uh like i don't like it when my streams cross right we don't like when like we don't need to have this thing in this thing to kind of take us out of it right because when I see when I see like Death Stranding, I don't see uh, whatever Bridges his name is Bridges uh, whatever his name is. I see Norman Reedus, right? I see Norman Reedus. I see the guy from Death Stranding. I'm sorry, I see the guy from Walking Dead, the guy from Boondock Saints, right? So are, are you saying like you think like they feel like they like overtake the game or like they overwhelm? I don't know this for a fact. It's, it's just concerns of mine, like Hollywood being too Meshed. meshed with the gaming industry. I get it. Like right now, it's been it's, it's been like, chill, but we don't know what's going on. It's the complaint every year when they do the game awards. And it's like, why are these all these people presenters are people who are not even in games, yeah, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I also understand why why when it comes to monetary value, why you would reach outside to something you think is much more uh, financially appealing. Yes, but I, I feel like the gamer isn't necessarily that type of person where it's like hey okay no like we've no been the no nerds. the core yeah the core isn't but the casual might be that's a good point and that's where the money is going to come from usually is a casual but you get you know where i'm going with yeah where i was going to go with this like the nerds where i've always been like i'm just over here in my room just doing my thing enjoying these beautiful fucking stories and like the rest of the world is <laughs> i'm in my room i like that <laughs> i go you're saying but yeah well yeah as little kids yeah, yeah and then the rest of the world is like you guys ain't shit but it's just like it, like the nerds and the gamers are like, we don't give a fuck about you. Like we're just here for the games, right? And we don't you. need all this. Yeah, it's yeah. like we talk about this all the time with Brian and Nico. Where, um, we were at, we were at the Game Awards for 2019, and then uh, um, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez walk on stage to promote Fast and Furious. Mm. And then Michelle Rodriguez is like, oh yeah, like these games. These reminds me of when we used to play Tekken. Tekken? Yeah, she didn't know how to pronounce Tekken. Oh shit! So she's like, this reminds me of like on the set of the first Fast and Furious when we would just lounge around and play Tekken. That's a slap in the face. And like, she got so much flack for that afterwards, and it's kind of like, like, why are you bringing these people to in- embarrass themselves? That's I don't know how to Tekken. That. And I, we still make that joke, like Brian. What I killed you were on stage. You're saying, huh? You were there, like to see it. Oh, we were in the audience. Yeah, we were in the audience. Damn. And I remember her. And then Brian kind of looked at me like. Like and so like whenever we mention te- he spells it phonetically how he puts T E H hyphen K E N Tekken instead of Tekken like on purpose to like make fun of her kind of mm-hmm. so it's like I I yeah when they do that and it's like it's not executed properly it just comes off as very um, ingenuous very it doesn't come off that's very inauthentic, inauthentic it's obviously 
not genuine. Yeah. It didn't just come off as ingenuine. It just, just was wasn't. Ingenuine. Yeah. So. Anyways, Johnny, that is the end of our news section. We kind of covered every single thing we were we set out to talk about, and in a lot of timing. So we have just enough time to talk about what we have been playing, Johnny. What have you been playing, sir? You go first. Oh God, I knew you were gonna do this to me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I played. So I've been using Game Pass as I usually do. I played a game. I struggle to call it a game, really, but something called Immortality. Have you heard of Immortality? Yes. So Immortality, I would say it's more like a mm, interactive film, really, than a game. Immortality is, essentially, the premise is there's this actress, this imaginary actress. She films three movies, and these three movies never come out. She filmed three complete movies. They never came out. They never debuted in theaters. You are like this person who has gotten like a hard drive of all these like scenes from the movies that she was in, that she made. And then you start off with one piece of like the film. Like she she has like a interview with some like, it's like a late night show. She has an interview. And then what you do is you're supposed to scrub the footage to unlock more scenes. So like in the, in the footage, you'll like click on, say you'll click on a plant and the game will like show you another scene where there's like a plant like that. And so you start off with one like clip, but by the end you've clicked on so many things, you have like all these clips, right? So you're like piecing together all this footage of these interviews and behind the scenes footage and movies. And you're basically rearranging them and trying to figure out the reason of why these movies never came out. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like you're like this and you're not really an investigator, they don't call you that, but you're you have like the hard drive and you're just you're like sorting through the images, throwing through the clips. And trying to make some kind of sense of not just the individual movies, but the greater overall story behind the movies. And it's like, it's a it's making ice. My fridge is making ice. Because you're wondering, because you're making like faces. And so like, at first you're like, oh, this is like a straightforward like, okay, it's just a movie they're making, like a religious movie. There's like a hipster art movie. But then like after I want to say after the three hour mark, it gets like very creepy. Like really creepy okay and then once you start putting things together like oh oh like there is greater like there is greater uh what's the word i'm looking for uh shoot i hate it when i do this there is more not at stake because it's already happened but there's greater like consequences to the overall story of this actress of who this actress is and why all these movies failed to come out and i, I don't want to spoil it but it very much has to do with her essentially so that's going on overall it's I'll, I'll spoil a little bit saying like it's a little paranormal in reality but um it's such a weird and fascinating game because there is an end point and i, th- I think most people at this point who have played the game have figured out what triggers like the end like where the game starts to roll the credits but like throughout the whole game you're kind of just wandering around aimlessly like there's a very poor tutorial but the game doesn't want you to play it so much as you want. You just watch the videos and then click on things in the videos to lead you somewhere else. So, like, for example, there's a scene where there's, like, a gun present. If you click on the gun, it'll take you to another clip where the gun is also in that clip, right? So you're supposed to just jump from scene to scene to scene while also paying attention. And then there's certain scenes where you're supposed to rewind. And when you rewind, there's, like, something subliminal there. 
So like you're going through regular footage and you're like, okay, like I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing here. So then you'll rewind and it's like, oh, this thing or this thing, the image changes or the dialogue will change. And it's like, what? Like what's going on here? So it's like a, it's very weird because I, I struggle to call it a game because it doesn't behave like a game. Like there's no, I mean, it's not even like a visual novel. Visual novels, you make choices, you just dialogue that you click on and like, you know what I mean? It's more like, it's like more of a cinematic narrative. What does it say it is? What does the game say it is? RPG action. Uh, I think it says. Uh, I think it classifies itself as a ne- uh, visual novel, which I feel like a visual novel has more components, more degrees of interactive interaction. But, anyways, um, as def, I will give it this: the game, like I'm still thinking about the story and thinking about that game like weeks after I played, which was like wow. That- two weeks ago or so like right after we last recorded and like that game has like just stuck with me because of like the implications of like what you finally found out what happened it's like what like it's so crazy like so weird and i don't i'm not gonna spoil it because i i think this is something you have to experience don't play it as a game as you understand what a game is play it as like think of it as clips of youtube videos that are related to each other that's the best way to pivot. That's the best way to like proposition this game to someone. So, I finished Immortality. It took me about I want to say like six, seven hours maybe. Although you can trigger the ending like way sooner than that if you know what you're doing. But uh, I, I one of the other people that I talked with, like I think he played like 10, 12 hours and he still hadn't unlocked the ending. So it, your mileage may vary with how you click on, depending on the order of things you click on and stuff. It's interesting. It's a very interesting game. Um, and so yeah immortality uh what else what else there was something else i was playing <clears throat> shoot i can't remember right now i think immortality was a major one it was a main game that i completed i played a little bit of um uh mafia you know mafia the the yeah. like 19 like the 1920s 30s whatever gangster I played very little of that i started it because i saw it was a definitive edition and it was part of like the playstation plus like free game the catalog mm-hmm. which we were talking about about earlier yeah which we were talking about a little bit earlier um i'm not too far into it it kind of reminds me of the godfather game if you ever play the godfather game with the slow cars and... i tried playing a little bit if just the mechanics feel like ps3 mechanics yeah it feels old even though like it's remade in like the modern like ps4 style mm-hmm. like mechanically it feels kind of clunky a little bit i want to play more i want to get now we're into it um other than that, what have I played really? I think, oh duh, I've been playing a lot of Skyrim. <laughs> I love Skyrim. Skyrim is like probably one of my favorite games of all time. I'm playing the PS5 version because it runs at 60 frames, it's so smooth. Everything, the resolution is crisp. It's like the ideal way to play Skyrim. And also, I kind of just want to go. I'm just collecting the trophies because I got the platinum for the PS3 and the PS4 version. But you have a PC. Why don't you play it there for all the mods? Oh, because I want the trophies, Johnny. I want the trophies. Hmm. I have the Platinum for the PS3 version of Skyrim. The Platinum for the PS4 version of Skyrim. Now I just want the PS5 Platinum. So. I, I usually don't replay games a lot. Like, especially this year, I don't replay a lot of games. But Skyrim has always been, like, that comfort game for me. Where I can just get lost and, like, delve in. And then... Oh, and then if our cousin Joe's listening, I'm playing... I played the first hour of Kingdoms of Amalur. Which is, like, an old... That was a game, Johnny, if you remember, that bankrupted the state of Maine. No, Rhode Island. I'm sorry, Rhode Island. I remember this, 
story, but not the details. That's a game that bankrupted the state of Rhode Island. So I played an hour of that, and now I can see why. I think I can see why it bankrupted Rhode Island because it's honestly not that great. It looks very much like a PS3 game. Like the visuals and everything, the way it handles is very like, like oh yeah, this was from over a decade ago. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, that's. Mm. I've completed completed Immortality, but I've kind of at this point I'm just in that weird holding pattern, just waiting for like Call of Duty and waiting for God of War, waiting for like the big hitters right now. So I'm kind of just like holding steady at this point. Johnny, what have you played? Played Stray. Oh, cool. Did you review it yet? No, at least not like not like vocally. Okay. I don't know how to start this one. Uh, how do we begin this? The story is fucking legit. It's fun. Uh, it's it's nothing crazy. Uh, help me out here, dude. It's okay. So Stray starts off. You're basically a cat with your own pack of cats. You get separated from them. You fall down like this big ravine, like dam wall kind of thing, and you land in a post-apocalyptic city. That's devoid of all life except for robots who are created by people. And this weird parasitic zog, zerg, I forgot what the things are called. They like these little like squishy worm grub thingies that try to like, leech onto you. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to get back out of the city. But it's a, it's a walled city though. It's like in a dome kind of. And there's no easy way out. So like the robots kind of get the idea that you're trying to escape. Like your cat doesn't really communicate really it just does cat things like you scratch curtains scratch walls but you're not you're not like someone who's and you're not playing an active role in the story in the terms of like you're not the one dictating what you need to do you're kind of just yeah that's why it's it's along for the ride it's difficult to to describe the game because a lot of are just spoilers like a lot of it you have to go through you go and you talk to the bots and you and you figure out, hey, this bot needs like some wiring. Go to the next one. Yeah, it feels very the gameplay. Fetch quests, kind of. Yeah, but the gameplay feels uh, satisfying, like uh, Resident Evil. It's like go find the rook, right? Go find this key. Go oh, find okay. that key, and then you go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once you give them something like a new uh, fetch or whatever opens, a new quest opens up. Yeah, but but they're short, but they're also very. They're just fulfilling, right? Yeah, they're short, like, little segments. The game is short. I, I don't know how long it took you. It took me, like, four hours. I don't know how long it took you, but, like... It probably took me longer because I was trying to plan on it. It has the perfect <clears throat> length, I think. I feel like any longer, it would just felt like padding. Mm-hmm. And then any shorter, and I would have felt, like, very unfulfilled with the game. Like No, the, the time makes sense for the story that it's trying to tell. Yeah. It's well-paced, I think. Yeah. And, and then it- the game's interesting because they'll throw mechanics and then take them away from you. Like, there's a part where you get, like, this cool, like, UV light for defense thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you lose it, I think, like, within an hour later of the game. Like, the game just takes it away from you. Yeah, so, of course, I want to play the game because it's just a cat game. And I've, there's no other games where I've played with a cat. And it's a dystopian future. Uh, visually, it looks amazing. I love it, the palettes. I love the color variety. Yeah. Uh, it's very strong. Very like, the HDR makes a lot of sense there. Mm-hmm. And then every room that you go into is super dense and you see a lot of little details the the, do, the stacks of books that fall over when you jump on them and yeah they the environments tell you a lot about the story you know without a lot of environmental storytelling yeah. yeah uh 
like the the section where you go into the library and then there's all these stacks of books and then really? everything just makes sense everywhere you go to and every little place that you go to is telling you trying to tell you a story yeah for sure like a lot of the rooms you I, like when you're doing that section right where you're like you have to gather the the codes or the books or whatever from the different like mm-hmm. people who used to be there like the ones that have the open windows basically with the markings yeah like you go there and you can kind of tell like what's going what's what happened like before there because like i remember there was one room um i don't think it would, maybe it would not be that section but there's one where when you first get your little robot pal your little gliding guy the little hovering guy like there's all this like scattered machine parts and you get the sense like whoever was here before the doctor or whatever like he was experimenting on trying to perfect like this little robot companion and like not going to spoil what ends up happening or what the truth about that robot companion is later on but like there is hints there in the playthrough of like of like what prompted this robot to be made in the first place in the mm-hmm. in that same room where you find him with like scattered there's like a medical reports and then there's like a I think some of the stuff you just look at like scattered machine parts and you can kind of like piece together like where he was at with this because not just because of that but also the location of the room within the house uh, where like uh, no one else in the room was there. You kind of just like stumbled on it, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing. But um, And then I think like the way it uses like cat-isms like for example like pulling on curtains but also like yeah, exactly. When you cut wires, they tangled the wires. You did that a cat thing, which is basically just clawing at the wires, and now you disable this like security thing. Yeah, or you get on on top of books and you wiggle them, and they top over. Mm-hmm. And then behind those books, there's a safe. Yeah, right? so like all the cat things that cat things do have context within the game of what they do. Like they do serve a purpose, except maybe napping. I'm not sure if napping has a purpose, but no, I think it's just there just because that's what cats do. Yeah, there's that stuff that like you can meow and use them as a yeah, distraction. There's a, there's a button for meowing. Yep. <laughs> uh, so like when I got into the game, I wasn't expecting much, but as it as it progresses, it does gives you skill sets. That of course you said takes them away, but since it's a cat, it does all the cat things, but it just layers all these mechanics on top. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a part where when you lose your like, we'll just call it a weapon at this point. You're supposed to use the environment with like a, it's a construction site place, you uh-huh. know, with like the beams of wood and the iron beams where like you meow to draw the attention of the enemies one direction and then you like leap over a fence to cut them off. And now you can explore that area that the enemies were in freely without like being attacked or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like you'll draw the attention. There's another part, there's like a really creepy part where you're in these sewers with these giant eyes. I don't get that part, but go ahead. And, like, you're kind of doing the same thing again where you're kind of drawing your enemies to a certain area. So, like, and you, like, close the fence behind them or whatever. And now you can, like, proceed or whatever. So, like, even when you're not fighting, you're meant to, like, kind of survive logically, like, in a puzzle kind of way. Where they want you to solve this puzzle where, like, otherwise these things would just eat you up, basically. Yeah, were you talking about the section where you see bots and then you you have to go up to a machine and then, because you could hack in the game. So mm-hmm. the, the little robot that follows you around can hack. Yeah. So there's these doors that you can hack. And then the puzzle would be like, you got to get these enemies inside of this cell and then run around yeah. to the side and then just close the yeah. doors on them. It's, yeah. it's those type of puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's like the puzzle where you got to get that uh, nuclear battery. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that was a good one. Yeah, where you have to have these different doors you have to interact with, right? Well, you and, like, like one thing will move up the other one and like cut off this section or whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. like four platforms and you got to get inside a, a barrel. That was like towards the end. And then walk in the barrel and then the barrel moves and right. it puts weight on it. 
Exactly. And there's, there's a little robot unit that you activate, you hack, and it follows you around. And then you deactivate it at the right, at the right time because it has to sit within that square. Yeah, you can't like grab things like how a normal person would, but there's like these empty oil drums that you can basically roll into. Like, It's like a hamster wheel, basically, is what the mechanic is. And then that will move. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of in- ways to interact with the environment and the, like, the various puzzles. But I'm glad like the game is it's not that long because I could see myself getting bored of doing all those puzzle things over and over again. And it's just like the right amount of time. And like Johnny was talking about like how like like and then a lot of like the robots, even though they are robots, they do have unique personalities. Mm-hmm. Like the bartender, the son of the doctor, like the and the the shop owners even, some of the shop owners that like, chase you away and stuff. It's sort of obvious. Like the plot is sort of obvious. But, um, well, yeah, as far as the plot, when I got to the end... Are you talking about, like, what happened in the past? Is that what you mean? What happened in the past, why those robots are doing what they're doing. Yeah. It all connects to the little robot. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to the end, though, like, it was, like, enough playtime. Because it's like, what else can this cat possibly do? Because I think I could have played more if they were going to stack on more layers. Oh, for sure. Play. Yeah, I think if they added more. Yeah. Because the mecha- by the end, the mechanics have kind of run their course. It's like, I get it, right? Like, there's yeah. not much else you can do. I think if they were, if they could somehow find a way, like, maybe the UV, like, weapon you have, if it had, like, different settings or something, like, like thermal or Sort of, like, elemental type of Yeah, skills. something yeah, like yeah. that. And, and, like, have more clever use for that. Because there's, like, a part where, like, spoilers where, like, you, like, go into cat prison for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to, like, get your buddy back. And you have to, like... It's 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 a whole thing where you're like you're like tripping security and like avoiding security and I feel like it the game does what it does well within the parameters of what it gives you. It does things it does things really well. Like you know, a lot of games you have that you have that section where you meet somebody and then oh fuck, and then you have to walk them from location to location. Oh, this game it. did it really well. Like they follow you and they're pretty intuitive. Like they get to their to their next location quickly and then you interact with them yeah and it's not bothersome at all because this robot it's not like an has escort. character to it you know? yeah it's not an escort i mean it is an escort mission but it doesn't feel that way because they they, they they're intuitive they're ai they're like like yeah and they, they tell you like oh man i can't do this because they're gonna kill me in this way mm-hmm. you know it's everything plays out really well for uh, sure when i got to the end of it i was sad yeah, the ending is sad a yeah, little bit. Well, not for you so much, but yeah. yeah. For one, it's because I, I get to play with a little cat, and yeah. then it's it's a world I really end up liking. Like, there's so much in there to explore. Uh-huh. I love this environment. And then when I got to the final section, it's like, I know what's going to happen before they tell me. It's the end of the line kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and then sure enough, it happens. And I'm like, all right, this is this is it. So so at the end, you know, I'm taking pictures with with my PlayStation. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, this is the section, and then it's like, uh, I have to move on. Like it does gives you give yes. you that feeling, Closure. right? It's like you're yeah. you're kind of just sitting there and you're like, I I gotta keep going. All the time, like when you like you're curled up, kind of. Right. It's like okay, get up now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you. Like you see, there's a, a section where you're looking at the entire city, right? Yes. And you do what beautiful, you, yeah. You do what you have to do, and not just that; it takes its sweet time, right? Oh, it takes forever. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. it's good. Like it, it lets you sit there, like 
I turn like, around and I'm like, wait, did it get smaller when I wasn't looking? Like, oh no, it's just growing slowly. Yeah, so so you see the entire city and you're looking at it, and it gives you this sense like, wow, I traveled this whole spot right here. You get a couple of those moments throughout the game too. There's a part where like when you go up to the like that secondary area before the where you're talking about we do the puzzle right when you arrive to that area you can look across like the vista of the city and you can see like oh that was that construction site radio tower i was at like earlier mm-hmm. but it's like way across the city right mm-hmm. like like wow like, I, cu- I covered that much distance since then yeah and there's like other parts too because you see that same construction site earlier when you're doing the when you're looking for the keys in the, the book with the library right the you're looking for the different like contacts for the robot right when you from there you can see the, the like the tower in the distance but it's like way closer to you and so like even like throughout the game you there, you do see the visual progress of like whoa like i started from over there now i'm over here and like it kind of just adds to like the epic feeling of this adventure you're on well that that little section gives you a good sense of scale but yeah. the game is so small it's like oh shit i did that like, yeah that it's weird because it's short but like it feels like we were doing it small, but then you see the distance and like, oh, like no, like there's a lot of stuff happening in between. But it's just because there are sections where like you have like you're like kind of like um, there are sections where you do like the run away kind of thing, and there's like something chasing you, mm-hmm. and those are the moments where you cover a big distance in a short amount of time. Yeah. So I think that kind of is like what hides it for you in a way, like where you feel like you haven't done that much, but like oh yeah, like I just ran from this thing that was chasing me for like probably like a mile. And I just didn't realize it because it was going so quick when you're on the car. Oh, so that's you know, right. The, all those chasings. Yeah, yeah like so when the robot gets in the car and we drive off. All yeah, that. or like when you're running it, when you're on the cart thing going down like the sewer, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the alleyway, whatever. Yeah. Like you do cover a lot of distance, but you don't realize it because it just happens so quick. Yeah, so, so you get that full picture towards the end. And I love how it opens up. Because aside from like I think all the, the music changes too, I think, right? I think the music Yeah, changes. aside from all the stuff that you traverse and it's like you're doing this grand thing, right? And it's mm. you get that feeling like it started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. And so you, you finally get done with it. You get this, the visual and then you get the little, the very personal story element of it. Yes. And then that's when, that's the portion where you're like, fuck, I knew this was going to happen. It happened. I'm sitting here and now I got to go. Yeah, and like moments later, you get to the very, very end of the game, uh-huh. and it just has that little tiny scene again where it's just you and you're like taking off, and yeah, it, and the visual the way it frames like, it, yeah, the visual is like, we'll see what's next for this little guy. It, it, yeah, you get that feeling where it's like it's like it's like whole screen, but then just like a little bit like a little bit of you or whatever. Yeah, I I don't know if you noticed this without spoilers. There's a panel that's on the side that's lit up, and it kind of tells you something. I don't know. Well, yeah, at, at the little that last frame, there's a panel that's lit up, and really? it's it's sort of saying like there's something left in the system. Oh, oh, okay, right, okay, I get it. So like like a, like a transfer. Or yeah, 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 okay. Uh, so definitely love this game. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed. it. As far as the grade, I just give it like an A. Yeah, I liked it more than I initially thought I would. I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna like vibe with a cat game. I'm not a cat person. Like, I'm not gonna be into it. But like by the end of the game, I was like, that was re- a really nice like short like story. I yeah, I really liked the game. Uh, I think I have it. I think I have it back marked down as like in my top seven for the year so far. But um, yeah, if you guys have Stray, uh, I mean it, it's uh, it's included in the PlayStation plus, uh, the highest tier catalog thingy. But if not, I think it's like twenty bucks. Uh, I think you should probably play. I think if we're not we're not gonna do like the whole money to hour ratio, but I think for twenty bucks, it's worth giving it a shot. So yeah, that's all you can play, Johnny. I give it a 
Yeah, as far as the grade, I said I give it an A, but it's like a minimum a solid not like eight at least. Yeah, I think an eight is where I'm at too. It's just a sentimental story. I don't know. I just I just really love. It's a nice experience. It's a nice compartmentalized like experience. Yeah. So the last time I I wanted to play a game as an animal, which doesn't happen often in gaming, mm-hmm. was a uh, Tokyo Jungle. Yes, it reminded me somewhat. I think just the post-apocalyptic like setting and like that neo like Japan or but well, I mean, visually this game looks closer to like China, right? As like the 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 con- not the kanji the uh, the writing system is very like Chinese in nature. It's a functional. Uh... And then like with the straw hats on some of the robots, like mm-hmm. the 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 clothing, like the setting is very Chinese related. But um, yeah, it it definitely gave me Tokyo Jungle vibes. When I'm just thinking of like how you have like these animals or whatever like like they're what's left right kind of in a way like roaming the streets so but yeah all right john was that it was that it for the games yeah that's it all right ladies and gentlemen we are at the three hour mark so i think that's kind of all we have in us um i was gonna do like the name that game thing i told johnny like i don't think we're gonna have time now i know for sure we're not gonna have time um but yeah that's my mouth is kind of tired my job. Yeah, the episode is so long because we just haven't been around for a long time. It's been three weeks. About three weeks, yeah. So we had a lot to catch up on. Hopefully, if you somehow managed to make it to the end, uh, well, congratulations, first of all. Congratulations to you. Thank you for listening to us uh, for this long. Um, we're going to try to we're gonna try to make this work a little bit better. Um, my family like living situation is going to change pretty shortly within a month, so that's going to make things a lot smoother and a lot easier for us to record. And so anyways, uh, thanks again. You guys can reach us at DuoSense podcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's DuoSense podcast, one word at yahoo.com. You can also reach out to us on our Twitter, uh, DuoSense P that's our Twitter handle. And if you have comments, questions, suggestions, uh, any other thoughts you want to share with us, so we can probably read them out or answer them on here. So, That's going to be it for us until next week, and I guess we'll see y'all later. Peace. Peace.